everyone, and welcome back to another episode of We're Watching Star Trek, the original series. Uh, I'm still Brandon, and Paul, I think you're still Paul, right, Paul? Uh, yep, yep, it's been a while, people. What's up? Uh, what's what's good? Uh, you know, it's me. Watch Star Trek again. Excited to talk about it, so uh, let's get it. Uh, let's go. And the other guy here is Dan. I, I hope so. I haven't forgot my name yet, so you don't have to call me Fred. Actually, I haven't talked to you a whole lot the last few weeks, so I kind of forgot your name for a second. Oh, yeah, neither have I. Yeah, I was like, is his name Steve? Is it Rob? John. Yeah. I have many aliases. Well, we are watching Season 2, Episode 19, A Private Little War. Also, we have a private little Twitter at WWST underscore podcast. It's not private, actually. It's very public. Um, Yeah. Original air date was February 2nd, 1968, which is like two weeks, I think, after the last episode. So they took a weird, like, two-week break for some reason. Uh, I'm just, always just curious like we why did. they... We, yeah. <laughs> yeah, longer than two weeks. <laughs> I, I'm always curious uh, why there's gaps between... I'm curious what... Uh, maybe there was specials coming on or something on TV or or something going on. I'm yeah, like, you can see... Like, there's some of the obvious ones, like Thanksgiving, Christmas, New Year's. But, yeah, they just did, like, oh, middle of January. I guess we're just going to take a break. I mean, I guess I don't understand how, like, TV stuff runs, like, winter seasons or... You know what I mean? Like obviously, it's not like the a end of the different show that came but... on. I remember, like at one time, there was like a uh, Xena and Hercules or something like that, and Xena would come on one week, and Hercules was the next, something like that. For a while, like I, I don't know, maybe it could be something like that, old school style. Yeah. Like one, like one week was one show, and next week was a different show on on the same uh, thing. So. I remember um, seeing those as a kid, and I never really watched them. <laughs> I couldn't get into those. Oh man! Also, it turns out oh, Kevin Sorbo is a piece me? of oh, shit. Oh my goodness! You know, we're watching uh, uh, Zena's got to be the next, uh, you know, <laughs> next one. I think I'd we're probably rather do Hercules though, because like the little bits of it that I caught, I remember Hercules being better than Xena, or at least me caring but about I think it more. One of them's a spinoff of the other one. I can't remember which one came first. Her- Hercules is the original one. Xena was a spinoff. Yeah. Okay. So okay. Okay. We can do Herc first. I'm definitely that. I love that. <laughs> yeah. I love that show. I have too much to watch already. I have to watch an episode of Star Trek every week. I can barely make that happen. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, I started watching. Uh, not not to get too off track here, but I started watching the Dungeons and Dragons movie um, twice. Yeah. So I've I've had time to sit down and watch it two times now, and I am ten minutes into the movie. That's how much time. Oh, is that first ten minutes any oh, good? That's terrible. Yes, from yeah, what I remember. Were, yeah, I haven't seen, seen it yet. Man? Oh my gosh, dude. The movie's great, dude. Like it is it is a per like it's a perfectly fantasy movie. Like it's perfectly what you expected. Like, I want to make a movie about Dungeons Dragons news and stuff like that. Like it's very nerdy, it's fun, it's goofy, it's comedy. It don't take itself too serious. It's just it's a lot of fun. And it's a good time. It's actually pretty good. Yeah. I was surprised. Uh, how good I have it was. to check it I enjoy the opening 10 minutes. It's been great so far. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I was surprised how good it was. Maybe I'll sit down later and watch another five minutes and then maybe watch five minutes again sometime <laughs> next week. Yeah, I, went, I, went expect, I, went in, I went in with I expected to be trash and it was actually really good. So I was like, oh, I'm really surprised. So it's fun. You should watch it. Uh, but what, what also is really good is the Enterprise and it's orbiting an yeah. Earth like planet that we never get to find out the name of. And uh, Bones is on the surface, and he he's by himself, which is really weird. You would think that he would have, like, at least one security guy. I mean, like, he's not on the planet by himself. Kirk and, and Spock are there, but far enough that they have to communicate through communicator. So I, I don't know if I would send my doctor by himself on his own. <laughs> I'd probably, um, probably give him some Why, why, why I mean, he... even with security, any kind of by himself, even with security, you yeah. don't that by now. But technically, having security is still by yourself. Yeah. So but he doesn't he might, carry he might a phaser, does he? Doing them. No. He has no form of protection. I mean, he has like a bag he of syringes. But I, 
There's no way you don't carry a phaser with him. I, I'm curious I don't think he does. Why, He's never pulled one. I'm curious why Kirk brought a doctor to the planet when it looks like he needed to bring, like, geologists. Because it looks like, you know, Kirk is, like, picking up dirt. Or not Kirk, but yeah. bones. Yeah. Yeah, he's like checking out some rocks and stuff. I I thought about that for like a split second, and then I let it go because Spock was there too. So I thought maybe the plants had some kind of medical use. So I thought maybe he was studying them, like maybe they had some kind of medical use. So I thought maybe he brought them on the planet to show uh, there were some kind of medical plants or or whatever. Well, you're going to tell me that the Enterprise doesn't have like a sexy geologist or something (laughs) that that Kirk could have had a love interest with? We know that we know that's probably a thing. We've had it a couple times already in this show, but we like a horticulturist or something. They were more mature this time. Yeah, Kirk surely bummed out. We see the sexy plant lady later on. Actually, the sexy plant ladies later on. That's true. Yeah, (laughs) (laughs) we need to get sexy plant lady. Uh, Yeah, he's bones on the surface, and he gives Kirk a call and asks him uh, how much longer he's going to be. Actually, Kirk Kirk calls him and asks him. He's like, "How long are you going to be bones?" And McCoy says that he needs another 30 minutes because he's come across uh, some interesting organic compounds. And he says that Starfleet was right and that the roots and soil cultures can be a medical treasure house. So that's what he's doing down there. He's just, you know, gathering. But shouldn't they already know that's kind of a thing already that roots and, like, herbs and stuff like that are good at healing? Like, that's not a new thing. Well, I think they mean just, like, the ones on that planet are super good. Gotcha. Yeah, and, we, and we're not sure how many times they've been to this planet. We know they've been At there once. once yeah. We'll learn a little bit later. But we don't know if they really got to study it deeply. Maybe they had a small sample and they tested it like, oh, it should be. And then they maybe they just kind of reaffirmed the whole... Because uh, you got to remember, they're scientific uh, exploration. So maybe they just want to double check and see that the plants and nutrients are, uh, plants are really good for you so medically. So right. I think he's just probably just checking you, it out. You think Scotty has bones down there looking for mushrooms? Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. Yeah. And anything else he can find or smoke, like whatever plant <laughs> he can ingest, uh, snort, <laughs> just whatever, you know? <laughs> uh, yeah, Kirk is, he's in another location with Spock and they're looking uh, for the planet's inhabitants, but they're not having any luck finding anybody. And Spock finds uh, some prints of an ape-like carnivore called a Mugato, would not to be confused with Mugatu from Zoolander, completely different character. <laughs> Never seen it. You know, oh, Jesus. G- G- wow. <laughs> you need to go watch that movie. <laughs> no, I do not. Movies you I, will seen. Not, I, I will not. Oh, you don't like Ben I will Stiller, not. Do you? Ben Stiller's in it. Yeah, nope. that's right. What did, he ever, what did he do to you? Uh, he makes really bad movies. That's what he did. <laughs> I don't think so. You didn't like Tropic Thunder? Okay, there's the one. There uh-huh. you go. Meet the That's parents. the one I always tell everybody. Tropic Thunder and his cameo in Happy Gilmore are the two yeah, things I like. That's a solid one, yeah. Uh, but anyway, Kirk believes that the prints are several days old and the Mugato don't stay around in one place anyway, so he thinks that they're going to be safe there. And then Spock mentions that Kirk said that this place was a Garden of Eden, and Kirk explains that this is where he did his first planet survey of his career 13 years ago, and he was just a, a young captain. And uh, he notes that the people on the planet use bows and arrows for hunting, but there's absolutely no fighting among them, and they're very peaceful and tranquil people. And my note for this, I didn't know how right I was going to be, says that it's time for Starfleet to introduce them to violence and war. <laughs> yeah, <right. laughs> I, was, I was just kidding, but, you know. Um, so then they hear somebody yelling, and the, somebody like off in the distance is like, yeah, we'll take cover here. And then Kirk and, uh, and Spock decide to go in the direction of that that voice and they see some people hiding behind some rocks and they've got flintlock rifles. So Kirk thinks that there's no way that they've progressed that far yet. And Spock points out that a group of four people with bows and arrows are approaching and Kirk's like, Oh man, those guys are walking into an ambush. And one of them is my friend Tyree. 
And that's his friend that he lived with when he was uh, a young captain and he stayed on that planet. Apparently they became very close and Spock has, or Kirk hasn't spoken of him since, not once. <laughs> They're best friends. <laughs> He's a private man. Yeah. So Kirk draws his phaser, but Spock reminds him that the use of phasers is expressly forbidden. So Kirk's like, fuck it, I'm going to throw a rock. And he just like picks up this rock and just chucks it. <laughs> I don't know if he was trying to hit the guy, but he got really close to hitting a guy and it like breaks off the big rock that he's sitting on. And the dude gets startled and just fires his rifle <laughs> for some reason. I don't, I don't know why. That happens a few times in the show. All school, all school flintlocks are supposed to have um, real sensitive triggers, I believe, if I remember right. So if you touch it, you know, back then, back in the days, they're not really good at the trigger pulling it. So I'm assuming that if you barely touch it, it might go off, which is why there were so many accidental deaths back in the day with guns, early guns. Oh, I did not know that. Well, they, they should have kept their finger off the trigger. That was their biggest mistake. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They have yeah, to mo- hold yeah, their, most, their finger up and go, this most is my old safety. Most school guns were like that, where they they accidentally fired and things like that into, into history. They got better and better, but there was always, uh, you could touch it and have accidental firing back in the days. Oh. Well, there we go. See, now I learned something. But, uh, the group of four guys, they hear the shot, and they uh, they run, and then the riflemen chase Kirk and Spock, and they shoot at them. So McCoy hears all of this, and he calls the Enterprise and tells them to stand by to be up the landing party. So Kirk and Spock, they're running to go meet up with McCoy, and Spock just gets straight up shot in the spine. <laughs> he just gets <laughs> shot in the back. And he just he he caught me off guard. I'm out with him. He yeah. caught me off guard, and I was like, then I saw the green blood. I was like, oh, yeah, his blood is green. Like, yeah. it just... It's been a running joke as a, when uh, when uh, when Bones always says you know green blood blah blah but like for a minute I was like oh yeah it's green blood it caught me off guard I was like what in the world like hit him with a paintball or something <laughs> yeah like well there's no entry or exit wound not even a hole in his yeah. shirt that's a good shirt oh yeah oh yeah just a little splotch huh? yeah his shirt got more messed up falling to the ground than it did from the bullet that went through his body <laughs> <laughs> they, they didn't want they didn't want to ruin the shirt they just yeah. want the they, they want to better watch that out afterwards they want to ruin the shirt it was a really good flop from uh leonard nimoy too though he just like flops like just drops on the ground and like skids in the dirt (laughs) i was like wow uh but kirk he goes back for him because he doesn't leave a man behind and he except for all of his security guys but he notices that spock's phaser is missing and then he finds it and he goes to use him but spock who's just been shot through the back and the chest is like no we we can't do that (laughs) i can walk it's cool and so he gets up and uh they reach McCoy and the Enterprise beams them up just before the gunmen go to to catch them. Uh, it's a really interesting opening there. Uh, we we get the show Honestly, opening from there. Uh, I was in quick, like the moment they shot Spock. I'm like, yep, I'm like this episode. Let's go. Oh yeah. And it's not because they shot Spock. It's because <laughs> like it's it, it's not it's not that they shot Spock. It's the way they shot Spock and the way they shot it and like the intensity level was already about like eight or nine pretty quick. Yeah. So I thought, oh, this might be a good episode. Cause anytime the opening is like super high drama, it normally stays it normally gets stays and stays really good in that range. So I knew my my, my kind of episode pretty quick. Well, also, yeah, also the, I just like hearing you say they shot Spock. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they shot Spocko. What what a strong opening. We're gonna remove one of uh the major players of the story. Or incapacitate yeah, yeah, I, I liked it because incapacitate him. I, I liked it, and then I don't want to skip that far ahead. But like in about like two seconds, when we find out, like, you know, they're going to go back to the planet and just him and Bones or whatever. I'm like, oh man, like I, I we haven't seen those two together for an episode, just them two without Spock. Yeah, it's been a while. Like, I don't know if that's a thing. Yeah, yeah, and I like so like I was like, and then like 
right now, and then that right after, like, it's just, it's just, man, this episode's good. Remember, I, I don't get too far ahead. Go ahead and keep going. I also I'll, really like that they're like, man, we we kind of need to take Spock out for a little bit, you know, like the writers are. He does a lot, and he's there all the time, and we really just want this to yeah. kind of be the Kirk and Bone show. How do we get rid of him? And somebody's like, just fucking shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot him. Shoot him. Just shoot him. Who cares? He's, we'll make up some Vulcan yeah. bullshit where he can heal himself and just shoot him. It's fine. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, but they arrive on the Enterprise, and a medical team is there to take Spock, and Scotty's asking what's going on. And I noticed that we get – it's it's a different opening. We get the, the title of the episode here as all of the stuff is happening in the background. Usually it's just like the title card is over a backdrop of like the Enterprise is orbiting a planet or just flying by or something. But this is, I think, the first one where we have things actually happening in the background of the title card. I'm watching it as a as everybody knows I watch it while we while we record or whatever and uh I I just noticed that just now. I didn't realize that the first time, but it's actually pretty cool. Yeah, I think it helps to like just adds to like the urgency of the situation. They're like, well, we don't even have time to show shots of the ship. Like we gotta show you what's going on in this. <laughs> yeah. Oh, see, I, I miss that because I normally skip the intro. So I, I miss out on the the opening then. Well no, no, like right if you hit skip intro right after the intro, it, it should the probably the the name of the uh, titles that came in like right there and, and in the background it's like Spock's getting worked on they're working on Spock like behind the title yeah and like there's dialogue and everything like people are talking and all that mm. yeah it's pretty crazy uh, but Kirk tells the team that Spock's injury is from a primitive firearm and Dr. Mbenga orders a vitalizer B and I don't know what that is but he does and I guess that's what's important uh, I was really hoping we would see Boma again, the guy from uh, Magnificent Seven when they went down the planet against the big guys. I really liked Boma, but we we don't. I don't know if we'll ever see him again. But we got Mbenga here, and so they get to work. And McCoy notes that Spock is lucky that his heart is where his liver should be, or else he'd be dead. Then we get a red alert that sounds, and Uhura informs Kirk over comms that a Klingon vessel has been spotted. So it's just they're just day their day just keeps getting better. And then somebody tells them that they ran out of toilet paper. There's no more on the ship. <laughs> no, three seashells shell are missing. Or the seashells. <laughs> the seashells the are all missing. Shells. Yep. And then Kirk stubs his toe. He's just having a hell of a time. But uh, Kirk and Scotty they head to the bridge. Uh, but before they leave, Kirk asks McCoy about Spock, and McCoy just says that he doesn't know yet because it's been like three and a half um, seconds. This this might be the time I thought that uh, Shatner was a really good actor because like the look he gave uh, Bones, he turned around and asked and says. Asked like asking about Spock or whatever it was like the first time I, I I saw real concern for Spock. Yeah, like it just the, just the, the look on his face. Like it's really good. It's a really good look he put. I actually liked it a lot. I was like, oh man, he's really good at acting. Sometimes like I just a lot of times he's really he overacts and it's kind of bad and cheesy. But like he really he's really good at fanning concern for uh, Spock. I think he's really good at that that emotion. So I really enjoyed that. Oh yeah, yeah, I agree. You did a great job there. Uh, but I wonder like. Eventually, would you just stop being concerned for Spock? All the shit that's happened to him, and he just pulls some like Vulcan trait out of his ass, and he's fine. I feel like, short of him just getting absolutely blown up, <laughs> anything that happens to him, I would not be concerned at all. <laughs> like, Spock, I see hey, you lost an arm, but you're probably going to grow that back, so I'm not really worried about you. <laughs> yeah, I mean, it's just friend, so I can always think no matter what, he'd have concern, I'm yeah. assuming. Yeah, but still. Um we go on the bridge, and Sulu is still not there, so Chekhov informs Kirk that the planet is between them and the Enterprise, uh, between the Vul- the, Vul- uh, the Klingons and the Enterprise, not the Vulcans. Um, so the Klingons have not spotted the- them yet, and Uhura's like, yep, I agree that that has not happened, and she says that the Klingons are sending a routine message to their home base with no mention of the Enterprise. So Kirk orders them to go to Yellow Alert and ask Chekhov to try to keep them out of the Klingon site, 
And Uhura asks if they should send a message to Starbase, but Kirk doesn't want to re- risk revealing where they are. Which is smart. So they're not going to send one. Yep. Uh, also, how bad are the Klingons like scanners and stuff that they can't find the Enterprise? <laughs> like they don't see it. Well, I'm assuming that. Um, oh man, I- I'm assuming that the planet blocks the signal, just like it, like in our in our reality where they have to bounce signals from off one satellite to get around to other side other side of planet to send a message. So I'm assuming that if you're if you're using a planet as a if you guys are circling around a planet, the planet's blocking all the signals from the other side because there's no way to bounce around to see what's going on over there. Yeah, but the Enterprise found the Klingon ship, but maybe that's because they were sending a message. Maybe that's how they found them. But I don't know. It's, it's not it's not super important, but uh, yeah. Scotty doesn't think that they're going to be able to hide for too long without going out of orbit. So Kirk is like, now's a perfect time to go check on Spock. <laughs> uh, but McCoy has no update. Um, he notes that the Klingons have broken the treaty, but Scott says that the Klingons have as much right to scientific research as they do. And Kirk says that research is not the Klingon way. And Scotty's like, yep, I agree with that. But he also says that since it's a hands-off planet, um, Kirk would have a hard time proving that the Klingons are up to no good. Which, like, the Klingons have to have a a research division, right? They don't just suddenly know how to make all the things that they have. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. They they have to do research somewhere, like, at some point. Well, they're not in the the healing, you know, uh, side of uh, (laughs) uh, technology. I I, I think they're implying that not, but they're not, they're a more uh, about war and aggression rather than researching. Right. So if they go if they go somewhere for something, I'm assuming that they're saying it's about there has to be some kind of war motive, not a, a, a scientific motive. Like cuz if you look at their people, they're more of a you know, more military based like army type aggressive type uh people. So I'm assuming that they're saying, "Hey, you know, like they're, they're not probably coming in for research. If they're here, they definitely got some arterial motive. It's got to be some kind of war effort. It can't be to be here just to learn because they're not they don't, they're not like us. Well, if they would also have to be heavily research based then to continue building things for war. War is when the yeah. most inventions get made. It's true, <laughs> like they yeah, could I, be there I, just I, researching I, a new I, weapon. Yeah, but I think like yeah, but I think they're ob- well. I know, I know, I know. What you're trying. I, I agree with what you're saying. I just think that we're thinking about researchers and like them them researching on their own planet making making advancements in war or whatever rather than, and then they take those, those, uh, and they try to instill war and battle in places and make wars everywhere rather than research, research places for, uh, for medical research and things like that. But also every time we see see them, they are up to no good. (laughs) They're just never doing it. They keep making trouble in my neighborhood. I'm sick of that. (laughs) Yeah, <laughs> like you just find one hanging out at like a Starbucks and like, what are you doing here? And he's like, I'm literally just getting a coffee. Like, I'm not, up to, I'm not doing anything wrong this time. <laughs> like, he's like, this time. They're tired of getting accused. He's like, oh, come on, man. That's kind of racist. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not all of us are, not all of us are all about war. Some of us like, yeah. some of us like just to no. chill. Oh my <laughs> Oh, I shouldn't laugh, but that is kind of funny. Oh, man. I but for real, laugh. though, they are always doing bad <laughs> shit. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> so Kirk says that when he left the planet 13 years ago, the villagers barely knew how to forge iron. And he wants to know how many centuries are between that and making flintlocks. For some reason, Uhura knows. She's like, yeah, on Earth, it took us like 12 centuries. So good for she, her for having that kind of knowledge. She's a gun expert. Yeah, we got to fill in for Spock somehow. Um, Scotty argues that a flintlock would be the first firearm that the inhabitants would develop and Kirk's like yes I am aware of that and Chekhov and Uhura argue that Kur- the earth is or it took longer to develop and that doesn't mean that other planets would also take that long and that they've seen planets develop at different rates throughout all of their travels and everything which is all true and Scott 
Yeah, and Scotty asks why if the Klingons were behind it, they wouldn't give them better weapons. It's like, why wouldn't they have, like, sweet laser rifles and stuff? Why would they give them flintlocks? And Chekhov and Uhura are like, yeah, we agree with that. And Kirk is like, all right, I get it. Shut up. <laughs> like, he's so mad that, like, he's just wrong and they're just teaming up on him. But, I mean, that's a fair point. Why would they just give them... Well, I mean, they did, but why would they do that? Um, I mean, this this... Like, when you find out later... This is like the most like this is the first time I realized how intelligent Klingon strategy for war is and, and taking over is, you know, because like they really could have did what they said, but they would have got caught immediately. So they like they they made like them because later on we hear later on. If you guys haven't watched the episode, I'm gonna ruin part for you. OK, uh, like later on, we hear that they're advancing the weapons for them every once in a while. Yeah, to, you know, slowly but surely, because they realize, well, we we're trying to be be sneaky about it. So let's give them the next step in ev- evolution. They will come a couple months later and years later and get and advance the gun a little further and a little further. We're making small advancements so we don't get caught. To make it look natural. That way, they don't know that we're helping them out. The, and they've even like later on, we're gonna find out it, even smart enough to where they um they even build a forge. So if somebody came and checked, it's like oh. They got a forge here, so no, no, we've been building a forge here. Like there's a forge here, whatever. Even a check to let them know that hey, they've been building them themselves. So like this was a like even though I'm skipping a little far ahead, like this is the first episode I thought, wow, their their tactic for arm their army tactic is like unmasked intelligence. Sometimes I just I was really impressed by the way they work mentally. Like, yeah. That was really cool and logical. I, I was really impressed by that. Yeah, they're a war based race, so yeah, I would hope that they would be decent at it by now. But I wonder who would be better, yeah. like. If if the uh, Klingons had to fight the Romulans, I wonder which side of that would win. I put money on Klingons easily. I'm gonna say Romulans because they're they're kind of like the war war race of uh, the Vulcans. I I, I would say Klingon easily because the Romulans are based on logic that that puts you that puts you at the default. If you make every decision based on logic, you can't imagine somebody thinking illogically to do something. What if they have uh, superior weapons? you You can't imagine. Yeah, yeah, but you can't you can't imagine the idea of somebody doing something so risky. And that's why Captain Kirk is so special in this whole in this whole uh, this whole w- w- thing, where Captain Kirk always beats people because he does something that's so illogical they can't fathom. Think somebody would do something that crazy? Well, can we argue that? Which is why Captain Kirk seems to. Can we argue that we the argue Romulans that don't quite think like the Vulcans, and maybe they do kind of consider outside the box when it comes to uh, warfare? Well, the, yeah, the, I the, ones, that, the one we've seen so far haven't. The one I, every, everybody we've seen so far has always been logic logic based. I, th- I thought that the the one time that we saw the Romulans that they were thought to be like an offshoot of the Vulcans, but not like Vulcans themselves. I thought that they were like physically like Vulcans, but not mentally like Vulcans. Because if they had the whole I, logic thing, then I feel like they would just be like the other Vulcans and be like, yeah, we don't really have to go to war. They, like, there's no they point. Were, in they all were they were super similar. They were they were super similar in the way of thinking. So much that we actually thought they were Vulcans until we say, they said they were Well, Romans. also, not to jump ahead, but towards the end of the episode, they speak about the the Vulcan Wars. So, I didn't we have a conversation? Weren't, didn't we consider Spock's people naturally peaceful? I think so. I mean, they have, you know, like, ships and all that, and weapons, all that good stuff, but I, they, they're not like a war-based race, I don't think. Yeah, they're I mean, not they're, after conquering other races. They might be more defensive, maybe? But... but- so I'm so but if the Vulcans and Romulans I'm sorry no yeah Vulcans Romulans both use logic but one's peace based and one's war based but they're still using logic as the base for their thinking therefore t- they can't think illogical like they can't imagine people doing things like somebody doing something so illogical which is why Kurt seems to get the best of everybody because he just he thinks out 
Kurt always thinks outside the box to get things right. done. Right. Well, logically, war's just terrible. So they should be like, yeah, maybe we shouldn't go around killing people. Right. Yeah, when I, yeah. That would be I the Vulcan. I don't know. Now I'm interested in that uh, to see. Because, like I said, I don't remember them saying that the Romulans I have are like bound by that logic bullshit. So now I'm just just out of my, for my own curiosity, not even for the sake of argument. I want to know how they how they handle okay. that in this. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. we're in a big debate. I knew this episode. I knew this episode would be a long episode. <laughs> I said earlier. I'm like we over here getting deep about logic and the logical thinking. Well, they, yeah, they, so. they kind of touch on heavy uh, subject matter in this episode. Right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. But Kirk apologizes for uh, being angry, and he says that he's just worried about Spock, and he's worried that the planet that he wants to do, uh, you know, is getting all messed up. And he leaves Scotty in charge, and he decides to go to the sick bay. So we go to sick bay, and Spock is stable, and Mbenga tells uh, McCoy that they don't have replacement organs for Spock, and that if he's going to live, then his Vulcan physiology is going to have to do it for him. And McCoy's like, yeah. And then he shuts off something called a Sterilite. Don't know what it does, but it's in the name, so I guess it sterilizes. He's like, you don't need to be sterile anymore. Uh, McCoy then goes to Kirk and he tells him that he doesn't know if Spock's going to live or die, but Dr. Mbenga interned at a Vulcan ward and Spock couldn't be in any better hands. So why why haven't we seen this guy before? But all the issues we've had with Spock, like we have like a Vulcan expert on board, which is they just don't pi- use him. Hey, they just picked him up at the last time they stopped at you know Starfleet. Like, hey, we got this new guy for you. Yeah, I wonder if they pass you other know, ships and like exchange personnel. Hmm. That's the first do like good a trade. Like, like we'll give you this doctor if you give us like these six security guys and, a, and like a draft pick to be named later. What, or what something. are they Pokemon cards? Like I'll trade you six. <laughs> yeah. <and> I, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Uh, so Kirk decides that he and McCoy are going to transport down to the planet, and McCoy does not want to leave Spock, but Kirk argues that the Klingons are there, and if their mission is a legitimate research interest in the planet's organic potential, then he's going to need McCoy there to explain that to him. So McCoy wonders what happens if that's not what the Klingons are there for, and Kirk says that he's going to need advice that he can trust as much as he does Spock's. And McCoy's like, you know, I really appreciate that you feel that way about me, but I don't want to go. And Kirk's like, now nah, we're going. <laughs> he put the he put a foot down. He said, yo, yo, we're going, bro. Yep, I am decaptive. You, you think Bones is like, uh, I just saw my friend get shot. I'm not looking, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> looking forward yeah, to getting my, shot myself. Yeah, I can't, I can't heal myself like he can. So, yeah. I okay, mean, r- random question real quick, fellas. If he didn't take Bones, who would you want him to take with him? Scotty, Scotty. He can take Spock. He can take Bones. Scotty. Yep, Scotty. Yeah. I feel. Like, I feel like Scotty will go down there. He'll bring his own flitlocks from his private collection, and he will just fuck shit up. <laughs> I, you know, I actually want Sulu. Actually, yeah, Sulu is. A, he's a firearms guy. He does like old weapons, so I feel like he yeah, probably could have had want, a good place in this episode. I, I feel yeah, like he I, need I to give the Sulu. love to check off. Nope. He'll be like, I'm assuming Sulu is still filming his movies. He'll so. be just telling yeah, uh, Yakov jokes down there in Mother yeah. Russia. Yeah, oh, Flintlock <laughs> was invented in Russia. It's a Russian thing. No, uh, <laughs> Brandon would have hated that episode the whole time. He would hate this episode. It would have been off. Yeah, actually, now that you mention it, though, like, Sulu would have been good for this episode because he is, like, he likes old firearms. Remember when he was messing around with that revolver in, like, season yep. one? And he talked about how how much he enjoyed them? So I feel like he would have. I mean, not that it was like a firearms-based episode, but I, he I, he probably would have known what to do with them. But he he's made you know, it a couple on different way. occasions where they've alluded to him being an expert of ancient firearms. Right. He, you know, in the one episode, yeah, he was yeah, he had like the that. what the fencing sword. Yeah, yeah, he's a good sword oh, yeah. fighter. Yep. Yep. Good stuff from that. Good old Sulu. 
Uh, so Kirk calls the bridge and he tells Scotty that he and McCoy are going to go back down and that they're going to need native costumes. And Scotty warns him that they're going to have to break orbit pretty soon and that they're going to end up being out of communicator range. And Kirk just is like, yeah, that's fine. I don't care about that. And uh, they just like arrange a rendezvous schedule. So we go a little bit later and Kirk gives a captain's log explaining that because of the Klingon vessel, he can't risk contact with Starfleet Command and he has to take action with his own judgment. And he has elected to violate orders and make contact with the inhabitants of this planet. He and Bones beam down to the surface of the planet and they've got on their native outfits, which is just like some pants and a vest. It looks like it has like a lot of pockets, I think. Uh, McCoy asks him to reconsider Starfleet's no interference orders with the planet. And Kirk explains that they can't interfere with normal social development because of his survey 13 years ago. And then McCoy just says that he read Kirk's report and that it says that the inhabitants are uh, superior in many ways to humans. And if left alone, they'll one day develop a remarkably advanced and peaceful culture. Like it's, just, like it's, it's just funny that like he hit him with a quote from his own report. <laughs> He's like, I got you. You wrote those words. Kirk's just kind of like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Do you think Kirk kind of has poor judgment? Right now, because he's emotionally invested already since he was there 13 years ago and already has like a prior relationship with, you know, uh, his oh, best yeah. friend. Yeah, absolutely. He he should not be allowed to be involved in this. He should have to stay on the ship and then like the next in command should be handling this because he's too close. So you're, you're too close, Kirk. <laughs> uh, but Kirk intends to make sure that they have a chance to develop and uh, and. Then they just proceed towards the where they think the natives are. And then suddenly a large white ape-like creature with a big-ass horn jumps out I, of nowhere. I, I thought it, it was a Yeti right off the bat. I'm like, is that a freaking bro. Yeti? I put, yo, I screamed out loud, bro. I was like, yo, <laughs> what? The, this is the best costume on this show. This is by far the best costume ever on this show for a creature by far. It is so cool. It is so awesome. I I want it for Halloween. <laughs> I like everything about this thing is so cool, dude. Like, and this and at this moment, I thought, man, I really do like. I love watching the show so much. Like, it just it was so much. Like, it jumped out. I was like, oh, this is so cool. And it started fighting and everything. I'm like, man, this is like, like sometimes I feel like it's one of the moments where you just like you feel complete bliss. And I was like, oh man, this is so cool. Like, <laughs> wow, this is the coolest thing. Really thing got ever. You, huh? Well, and it was unexpected. Yeah, like, it, it really was out did, of nowhere. Dude. Yeah, yeah. Oh, yeah. It, it, was, it was out of nowhere, and like, and the costume was so good, like, and it held up over time. Yeah, and like to watch something, I watched stuff in the '90s. Like, I watched RoboCop recently from the '90s, and things some stuff don't hold up at all. Like, bad. But I'm watching this, I'm like, yo, this really holds up after all these years. Like, I could really feel the art design and the person who created this costume, like, made it and really thought about it and thought how good it was gonna look, and it looks really good and really cool. And I just, I loved it. Yeah, for being just a guy in a suit, it's a pretty solid suit. It's really, yeah. good, really good design. I, I liked it. Yes. Uh, but it wrestles Kirk down and it just bites him. Like, and it throws McCoy off to the side. Just like, just starts biting Kirk. He's like, I'm going to give you and a hickey. So, yeah. So at this point, McCoy does have a phaser and he uses it to disintegrate the uh, Mugato. Uh, but I and think that was kind of mean, by the way. That's kind of mean, bro. You, you got stunned. <laughs> yeah. Like, you got stunned on there, sir. Yeah. Like, you got stunned. Come on now. Like, this is the first time I ever wanted a creature to live, though. The first time I was like, yo, you get this new stun? Like, stun it. Move on. Yeah. That thing messed them up, though. It was fantastic. Actually, it was really nice to see Kirk get beat up. Because he normally, <laughs> he's normally just, he does everything. Uh, but now he's, he's just laying on the ground bleeding. Which, <laughs> he's, just, he's just laying which there. Which, at this point, I'm like, okay, so Spock is down. Kirk is down. Like, 
like, damn, we're only like 15, 20 minutes in and shit is going yeah. down. Yeah, I thought, oh, man, I'm about to get a bonus episode. He haven't got his own episode for the whole time. Like, it's about to be really cool. Right. Yeah, Kirk's down. He's bleeding on the, on the ground and he tells McCoy to contact the ship. Uh, that he has, uh, he's taken the full poison bite of the Mugado. So not only is this thing gigantic and strong and has horns and sharp teeth, but it also has a poisonous bite. It's a Komodo dragon. <laughs> it's just, yeah, it's insane. What does that thing need poison for? It's just overpowered, Mother Nature. Uh, needs nerf in the next patch. But McCoy, <laughs> McCoy calls for the Enterprise, but there's no answer because they've already left orbit. So he administers something and for to Kirk, and he tells him that there's no antitoxin for the poison, and he's only going to be able to keep Kirk alive for a few hours. So Kirk mentions Tyree and his men in a cure, and then McCoy turns around, and he sees three guys just hanging out, kind of watching. Like, ha, I, that dumbass got bit. Yeah, they see, the, the, the guy seems very unimpressed by what's going on. I was like, huh, yeah, that happened. Yeah, yeah like, who even gets bit by those these days? Off-worlders. Uh, so McCoy approaches them and asks if they know a hunter named Tyree, and the guy is just just standing there, just watching Kirk. <laughs> like, and McCoy's yeah, like, it's kind of, it was definitely weird. It was kind of kind of weird. Yeah, McCoy's like, look, he got attacked by Mugato, and he's a friend of Tyree, and the guy's just like, okay, he just, <laughs> he just stands there. <laughs> so McCoy yells at him to do something, and we go to commercial break. Uh, as we come back from a commercial, and they've taken Kirk to a village, and they take him to a cave as someone goes to get Tyree. And McCoy is giving a medical log that we don't get very often. And he says that despite the people's fear of himself and Kirk, they are compassionate and gentle. And then Tyree and his wife are expected to return soon. And she is said to know how to cure the poison. And Kirk goes into a deep shock and McCoy just has to keep him warm and alive. So uh, you're talking about the medical log. Um, is that that's that's that we've heard that before. I that wasn't the first time uh, he he did like a captain's like captain like a captain's law like medical law. I feel like we got like, one in the first season, but I could be wrong. I feel like we've got okay, at least I just, one. Okay, it caught me off guard when that I was like, oh yeah, I guess everybody's down. Like even Spock's down. So I, his little the captain law came from him this time. So I thought yeah. it was really cool. I really noted that. I wasn't sure if we did it, had it before. Yeah, or not, it, it, honestly, it honestly, it naturally, it'd have to fall to bones. Because well, if, yeah, if Kirk was finding out report, like he'd be telling. Part of the story that he wasn't there for right yeah yeah i mean he was uh, yeah, there I'm for it but you know he was uh, you know dying yeah yeah <laughs> he doesn't remember it yeah. <laughs> he, he was busy <laughs> yeah yeah I, I knew it was i just I, when i heard him do the log this little uh medical log i was like i wonder if he does that all the time or is he just doing it are we just getting this is the first time we get to hear it because because he because the captain captain's down or is it like just for this episode, they have them do that log. So I, I bet he does yeah, it all I feel the like time. They always because, have to do. Yeah. yeah, the fleet would want to know about what you know, what's going on, how how these people get hurt. Yeah, I feel like okay. everybody's always That's logging what... everything. It, they just we only hear about it when it okay. pertains to the episode. All right, that's cool. Yes, yeah, so they put Kirk in a cave and they cover him with a big fur pelt, and McCoy's just, just there trying to keep him alive. And elsewhere, we find Tyree and his wife. Uh, which her name is uh, Nona, and they don't say it until way, way later. I'm just going to say it now, because I don't want to always refer to her as wife or his woman or the woman or a woman. Uh, when woman. she says, I'm Tyree's, Tyree's woman, yeah. when, she, when she says, when she says that, I'm, like, I'm Tyree's woman, like, oh, okay. Yeah, I, Tyree's I, I normally I'm try Paul. not to use their name in the notes until they say it, but just for the sake of it being easier. She's only she's the only woman in this episode from that like this point on. Like, Uhuru was... This is a very minor part. <laughs> she's just so if I do uh, say actually, the woman, she's not the 
She's not the only woman, but she's the only one that speaks, actually. Yeah, the only one that does, like, anything from this you point on. The other thing, yeah, for real. Yeah. So Tyree and Nona, uh, they're watching as two men with guns walk by, and she tells him that they should obtain the same fire sticks so he could be killing them instead, which, uh, don't get a fire stick, or do, I don't know, some people like them. I don't have one, I have a Roku, <laughs> so. <laughs> I got a fire I stick. I do too. Oh, yep. Well, I'm fire stickless, I guess I'm screwed. <laughs> Uh, but Tyree believes that the villagers will eventually return to their way of friendship. And so she gets mad and she says that she's a Khan Utu woman. And there aren't many of them left and men seek them because through women they become great leaders. Uh, because she bows to the Lord of Flame. But uh, Tyree says that he took her because she cast a spell on him. He's like, yeah, I, I literally took you because you entranced me. So I guess that's... I, I'm glad he's self-aware of him? it. <laughs> yeah, like, it was really weird. Yeah, but... Yeah, but when I heard spell, I thought as in like, oh, like I, I, I saw a girl and I was just in love immediately, like love at first sight, like like love spell, you know, yeah, like, yeah. not like, yeah, oh, it turns out you, she, you, means you, you put some voodoo spell. magic yeah. on me. Yeah, like, you know, I wasn't thinking voodoo magic. I was thinking, oh, you put a spell on me. Like that's something like a, a corny guy would say to his yeah, girl. Yeah, I'm like, oh, that's like, a good you know, pick like, up hey, line. Yeah. Yeah. Like you put a spell. Yeah, I thought it was a corny like line he would just say to her and like, she's like, Oh, like, oh no, no. She put a spell on you like for real? She gave you the, the juju? <laughs> like, what, like, she, like she put a spell on you for real. Like, hocus, I thought it was hocus, just like I put a spell on you and now you're mine. Yeah. I just <laughs> but uh to, to talk about her for a second, her costume, amazing by the way. The chick was beautiful. I liked her costume, whatever. And as as annoying as her acting was, as this like sexual type chick or whatever, I loved every time she was on screen. Every time she was on screen, I don't know what it is about her, but I I, I got called a spell also. Uh, <laughs> like I, I, just, I think it's the, I like, the, I like the very character. low cut pants. Is what it is about her. It's the, the very low. <laughs> yeah, that's kind of that, that's kind of funny for an old school uh, thing that somebody be wearing something like that for an yeah. old school. She thing, also kind of has like, almost like leather pants. Like I expect to find her in a wrestling ring with those. Yeah. It, it was interesting. They did something clever with her that uh, I always bring up. The other thing was why they made her. They gave her dark hair. Yeah. And they always give the girls blonde. They always give the the, the chick blonde hair to make them evil. stick out. <laughs> so like, yeah, they gave her like they gave her <laughs> they gave her dark hair in a way to make her like really stand out and be unique and be be uh, one of a kind. And then I thought there was no more of her either. There was just her. And I was yeah. curious if there was a whole tribe of like. Like is she like from Amazonian tribe or something like that type that's like all women women, or what? I'm I'm curious. Like even though we don't we don't, we don't learn anything about the I, I can't say the word you know you, yeah you the, the Kanuten women yeah we don't hear much about them we hear look we kind of pick up what how what she does as she goes along. I'm just curious if they will ever come back here again and we'll see uh that tribe and see if it's all women and like or something like that or or I'm not sure what it is I'm curious right. Uh, but she tells Tyree that she has spells that help her keep him. And my note for this is, is it sex? Is, is it a sex? Like, is that the spell? It's just sex? That's what she uses to keep him? I thought it I, I thought it was yeah, that too. too. I yeah. truly thought it was, you know, I thought it was like, oh, she must put the put, put, put the put the move on him. You know, whatever it's like, it is. All the women in my so, village have blonde hair, but you don't. And that's his, his thing, <laughs> you, yeah. You're different. Yep. But you didn't actually have to put a spell on me to make me fall in love with you, huh? Uh, this, this spell is just sex. That's all. And actually, they kind of talk about that here because uh, she pulls out yeah. this, like, gets this little plant out of a, a pouch, and she's like, "Do you remember this plant?" And he just like takes it and starts sniffing it. <laughs> and uh, yeah. she she reminds him of the night that they camped by the water, and then she's just like rubbing the plant on his neck, 
And uh, he says that it was the night of madness. And she's like, did, <laughs> Dude, you, I wrote did that you really down. hate I it? I said the night of madness? <laughs> yeah, the night like, of madness. Like, oh, my goodness. It's the macho what madness. What were y'all doing in the night of madness? <laughs> yeah. He, oh, my goodness. I was just, you know, I won't get into graphic details about the thought of the night of madness. But let's just say that he had his mind blown. <laughs> yeah. He, he wasn't able to look at his mind the next this morning. He, he woke up the next day walking with a cane, like, <laughs> with a walking stick. Like the night oh, man, that was madness. a night of madness. <laughs> They're still I talking know, about it all this time later. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. So yeah, she's like, "Did you really hate the night of madness?" And she's like rubbing the plant on his arm, and he just like grabs her, and he's like, "No." And then they just start kissing, and uh, she says that uh, the night brought up. Well, he says that the night brought up evil beasts from his soul. And she, she says that it was only one lovely beast. And she calls him her huge angry man. And I'm like, my note says, is it his penis? Is that the beast? Is it his, is... Oh, my God. Just episode. Like, it's so brought up. The oh, evil my God. Beast. It's so strange and entertaining. Oh, man. Oh, and then, yeah. like, uh, you see how he has the cut on his arm when she rolls a plant. Yeah. Right. He has a, yeah, he has a, a cut mark. on his arm where, she, or didn't yeah, leave where, a mark, where he was a plant at. So I assumed that the plant had some kind of uh, chemicals in it. And when she rubbed it against the skin, and the mark, it got into his bloodstream and made him all... Because you realize right after she did that, he got like super like aggressive with her. Yeah. Or whatever. Like, you know, on her side, kind of assumed that there must be some kind of uh, pheromones or some kind of chemical in the plants that make you get all lust spells. The original fo- again. footage was actually poison ivy. And you say, oh, shit, that was the wrong one. <laughs> yeah, my bad. <laughs> it just starts getting itchy. But this is another opportunity for Scotty to go down there and just get weird plant drug. You think he would have been okay with that one? He's just down there like snorting them, like crushing them up. He's rolling them and smoking that plant. Scotty don't he get that just like, you know, we just uh, become Brandon, best friends? This is just sexy geologist, by the way. Yep, there we go. She's just sexy plant lady. Yep. You know, she knows all about the plants. She's just kind of poison ivy from Batman. Yeah. <laughs> she really is. Yeah, so they make out, wow, and then right. this guy just kind of awkwardly walks yeah, up on them like making watching out. Them. <laughs> yeah, and he's just like, forgive me. <laughs> but uh, there's this guy here, and he says that Kirk says that he's a friend of Tyree from long ago. And the woman, uh, Nona, she seems to know who he's talking about. She's like, bring him, uh, bring him here when his head clears. And then instead of that, they just go there. Uh, but we go to the cave. And McCoy's heating up some rocks with his phaser. This is the most cheesy special effect I think I've seen in this series so far. Like, the the phaser thing is cool. Like, the beam's fine. The rock getting heated up is fine. Did they have to do the weird little, like, I don't even know what you want to call it. Like, the little light marks that are coming off of where he shoots this thing. Like, it's like a comic book. They they highlight that this rock rock is getting shot. I I don't mind it because it shows that the rock is hot. Well, no, like the 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 rock turning red is fine, but like the no, blue it's little the sparks marks, talking yeah. about. Oh, okay, gotcha. when, when the laser hits the when the laser hits the rock, there's like these little blue little sparks that come off it. I know what he's saying. Yeah, it's really weird. Like it just, I mean, if you walk in on a cave and that's what you see, that would feel very <laughs> out of place. I feel like just it didn't. I didn't notice it to set it up right now as I'm watching it or whatever. It doesn't bother me as that much. Now you bring it up, it's kind of it's kind of noticeable, but I didn't really pay that much attention to it honestly. I, I was kind of, I was kind of hoping when he hit, when he was heating up the rocks that either she or someone else would come in and just naturally sit down on the rock and just like burn themselves, <laughs> just get, heat, get heated up. Yeah, uh, but Nona does enter the cave and she sees McCoy is using the phaser and then she just sneaks away without McCoy seeing that she was there. And Tyree finds her in the camp and asks where Kirk is, and she asks if he wants her to save Kirk, and he's like, "Well, yeah, obviously." 
So she says that she has to know what kind of man he is. Tyree says that he gave Kirk his promise of silence and that Kirk is his brother. And she's like, well, I'm your wife and that makes me his sister. So she promises silence as well. And then uh, Tyree tries to argue with her, but she's like, look, you just have to make up your mind or he's going to die. On the Enterprise, uh, Nurse Chapel is holding Spock's hand because she still has a thing for him. And Dr. Mbenga enters the room and she just like quickly lets his hand go uh, just to try, you know, try to hide it. And Mbenga tells her not to let the low panel readings bother her. And he says that it's the Vulcan's way of concentrating all their strength, blood, and antibodies onto the injured organs in a form of self-induced hypnosis. He says that Spock knows that they're there, and he can probably hear what they're saying, and uh, he can't afford to take his mind from the issue that he's fighting to heal. And he says that Spock, he thinks that Spock even knows that she was holding his hand, and then, you know, he just walks away. And so she's like, oh, yeah, you know, I'm a good nurse. A good nurse always treats her patients that way, and it proves that she's interested. Apparently she's just holding and everybody's hands. I ain't hand had a nurse hold my hands. Yeah. When I when I go to a nurse, like, can I get a shot or something? The nurse will be holding my hand. I don't be feeling very attentive. You know, yeah. I don't feel very, very interested in me. You got to put yourself in a self-induced healing coma and then they will. <laughs> oh, I see. <laughs> if I knew how to do that, that, I'd be doing that every day right now because, man, I'm getting old. Yeah. Uh, but we go back to the cave and Tyru in- Tyree introduces himself to McCoy. And uh, this is where Nona is just like, I'm Tyree's woman. <laughs> like, yeah. Still didn't get a name, but Tyree did say yeah. it earlier, but I didn't know if it was like if he was starting to say something or if her name was Nona, but yes, her name is actually Nona. Uh, so Nona holds uh, a mecco root under Kirk's chin. She just has like this big, weird, like wiggling root. I thought it looked like uh, like that fake poo. Like, did she? <laughs> <laughs> she just pulls out some poop, <laughs> just starts rubbing it on Kirk. Uh, McCoy notes that the the root is moving, and she says that it only moves for those who know where to find it, how to use it, and how to pick it. And then she hands a knife to Tyree, and Tyree cuts her hand. I've always felt that that's like there's an easier way to get blood from people. It's one of those things that drives me nuts in in movies where they're like, "Oh man, like we need some of your blood," and they just cut the palm of their hand. You know how badly that's going to hurt and how shitty that's going to heal. You use that all the time. That's not (laughs) going to heal well. Like just cut like the tip of your finger or something. Poke, poke the tip of the finger. Just poke it. Yeah. F- it fingers bleed slice, forever. Slice your whole palm because you're never going to hold anything again, I guess. Or or, or, or you could just you know, let someone punch you in the nose and give you a broken nose. Yeah, you do that too. But she does this like weird little dance as Tyree lightly bangs on a drum. Don't know why he brought the drum. Don't know why he feels this is necessary. <laughs> McCoy is just like, what the fuck did I get myself into? Uh, she slaps her Rich, hand uh, on a ritual. Kirk's wound and starts muttering some words about her soul going into Kirk's. And uh, I'm pretty sure they just bound their souls together is what was going on there. And then Tyree decides he's done drumming and Nona just collapses. So Kirk wakes up well, oh, and he's seemingly cured. When, when Kirk woke up, I'm like, he's like probably thinking like, well, this is the strangest thing I woke up to before. <laughs> yeah, it's pr- pretty low on the on the scale. And if I'm my boy Tyree, I'm like, yo, my wife's going to look close to this guy, man. <laughs> She's getting up on us talking about binding our souls together. Like, you only get one soul binding, man. I mean, that's yeah. mine. <laughs> what, are you, what are you doing over here trying to bind with him to heal him like that? Like, no, no you got to find a way to bind without, you know, I just, it was just, it was just really, I, I was sitting there like, you know, sitting there like, yo, uh-uh, my wife ain't doing that, that, that dude. Like, <laughs> yeah. uh-uh. Right around collecting souls no, like you. she Shang Tsung or something. <laughs> yeah, for real. <laughs> uh... Kirk tells McCoy that uh, he had the strangest dream, but that he feels very tired, that he just falls asleep again. And McCoy picks up the root, and he sees that Kirk's wound is gone. And he thanks Nona for saving him, for saving Kirk, and he checks the wound on her hand, but it's also gone. 
And he says that he wants to learn more about what she did. He's like, I'd really like to learn about this thing that you just did, like your magic. She says that their blood passed through the Mako root together and their souls have been have been together. She says that Kirk is hers now. Man, if that if that isn't a red flag, I don't know what is. Yeah, and he's just standing there watching this. His best friend. It's always the friend. Uh, Tyree says that uh, she also has to go to sleep and then he goes to take her away. But McCoy questions what she meant and Tyree explains that when a man and a woman are joined in that manner, he can't refuse her wishes. But it, that he's like, ah, but it's okay. It's only a legend. <laughs> he, he gets real like, <laughs> he just gets like, yeah, like, oh, he cannot refuse her wishes. But it's just a legend. It's fine. And uh, he takes her to another area of the cave and he just lays her down and we get a commercial break. So we come back. McCoy is sleeping in the cave and he wakes up to find that Kirk is gone. And he goes into another area of the cave and uh, he finds Kirk sitting on the rock that the woman, or Nona, is laying on and he's just like leaning over her like a weirdo and mccoy stands a kirk up and he's like kirk's like what are you doing mccoy and at this point tyree gets startled awake and he and kirk they have a real quick reunion like hey good to see you haven't seen you in a while has the family uh kirk seems to have forgotten what happened to him but it comes back to him when he checks his shoulder he's like wait a minute the bite's gone oh yeah i fought a big weird ape thing and uh he remembers sending mccoy for help and then he talks about uh how the Kanu 2, which is the local witch people, have studied the roots and roots and herbs. And then Nona stands up and she just like stares at him and says that she's Kanu 2 and she cured him. And Kirk just like at this point, he seems really mesmerized by her. And then Tari is just like, oh yeah, this is Nona. Like you, your souls are together now. You're like, uh, what? Yeah. <laughs> it, I know it seems kind of confusing like as I read it, but the dialogue in this was, I don't know, it was kind of weird. Like the... This whole section, like, I feel like they were on the the brink of explaining something and they just never got there. <laughs> like, I, like the actors are just kind of like standing around and they're just like kind of saying the same shit over and over. And so my notes on that one are just weird. But anyway, uh, Kirk, is he congratulates them on their marriage and he says that he wants to talk to Tyree about the other people and the weapons and that he wants to go make plans. And Nona's like, yeah, what's well, past time to make some plans? And Tyree says that much has happened since Kirk left and that they're going to talk about it. And Nona says that they should talk about things to be done. So she's just like trying to interject, trying to get Tyree to, I don't know, man up and go shoot some motherfuckers, I guess. She's like, yay, yeah. war. Her, her place in this was kind of, yeah. Her, her place in this whole episode was kind of like the aggressor situation. Like she was very loud, a little extra. I won't imply, you know, what, what she reminded me of. But let's just say that she was a little too I, much. Little yeah, too I, loud. I felt she was the most evil character on the, on this episode. Like even the, even even the Klingons were you know or at least for business like she's like oh just go out and kill people. I, I don't think I don't think she was evil actually. I just think like her place in life is just to get a better man and then move up and make him better. And if he doesn't better, then she goes to the next guy that's better to get a better man. You know, it's just it, it triggered something in me about life, which is why her character really bothered like had, had me hit <laughs> or whatever, and in, in, in a kind of soul sucking way of like. For instance, like she was gonna be with him until he got if she if he wasn't gonna be the kind of man, the kind of aggressive that he wanna be, she was gonna go to the next guy and then the next guy why she went to the Cleons later on or whatever. So for her it was always go to the next guy who had the most power. Yeah. So as as she keeps going through, she would get to go to the most most powerful people. She's not her loyalty. It's about That's her all. being low to she was an opportunist. Power. Yeah. Yeah, yep, a very opportunist. Yep. yep. Uh, what I think is really funny here is that Tyree leads Kirk away, like, out of the cave so they can go talk, and Nona goes to follow him, but Tyree just stops her. Like, no, you you stay <laughs> here. You are not involved in this. It's kind of yeah. messed up. 
Which if, if, that if, was if, a man to man conversation. When he did that, I'm like, okay, so is he really under her spell? Like, how does that work? Because she can like, no, I'm going with you. Yeah, apparently, just when she whips out the plant and rubs him with it. Yeah, the, yeah, the, the spells when it when when it, the plant is rolling up against, and that's when he starts doing things that are un. Uh, uh, that yeah. uh, does whatever she says or whatever and gets them off. I, the I train, wonder how long so that lasts once I, she starts doing that. Like, is it like a five ten minute thing or? Yeah. Mm, well, let's see. Kurt had it for what? Kurt had it for a little bit later on, right? Yeah, a couple minutes. Yeah, a couple. Yeah, he had it for a couple minutes, and then he ended up uh, making better decisions. So I'm not sure. Well, he also got hit in the back of the head with a rock, so that <laughs> helps too, I guess. <laughs> helps you wake up a little yeah. bit. There's a couple of ways you can break the trance. You can get interrupted by a weird, creepy guy, or you can get smoked in the back of the head with a rock. <laughs> so those are your ways out. Uh, we go back to the Enterprise, and Spock's readings are fluctuating, and Mbanga tells the meditating Spock that someone's going to be with him constantly and that he'll be called when it's time. So he tells Nurse Chapel to call him if Spock shows any signs of consciousness and says that if Spock speaks, then whatever he says, uh, she needs to do that. And she's like, uh, why why and he's just like yeah i'm not gonna elaborate just you know if he tells you to do something just do in it. my head i thought like man what if spock had a great sense of humor like hey let's mess with nurse chapel and be like hey do anything that he wants and he's gonna ask you something <laughs> really weird <laughs> like wink wink <laughs> bark, bark like a dog or something do something really outlandishly dumb uh it does i know get, you're going extra damn because you're you dumb. i'm ignoring your response next i know you're about to say something ridiculously in a sexual <laughs> nature i'm saying something like as a and comedy relief as like something that's ridiculously dumb because he do something for fun yeah i mean it's very unlike spock but give me a wet willy yeah, so- <laughs> i mean it does go it, it gets outlandish though i mean to be fair um when we go back to the cave and Tyree is telling Kirk that the fire sticks first appeared nearly a year ago, and many people have died. So Kirk asks how they can be sure that the people make those fire sticks themselves, and Tyree says that he has looked into the village and he has seen it being done. So McCoy then asks if he's seen any strangers among the villages, but Tyree says that he has not, and Kirk wants him to take... He's like, hey, Tyree, can you take me to the village? And Tyree's like, yeah, we can do that. But he says that the Mugatus travel at night, and that uh, since they've killed one one of them, then its mate's not going to be too far off. Oh, I missed that part. I didn't. I didn't realize that they were talking about uh, the, the 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 basically the yeti creature. Yeah, he said it's about the mate. Yeah, he said the mate will be out there, whatever. Because I said the mate would on revenge. Oh, see, I, I totally missed that part. I'm like, oh, d- another random attack from a, a creature on the planet. So nope. It's oh one, yeah, one that's yeah, pissed no, off that its mate. mate oh well, there's context on that now. That makes more sense. <laughs> Yeah, they're not just, they don't, I mean, I guess they, I was going to say they don't just attack for no reason, but apparently they do, because <laughs> they did. Yeah. They, they're not assholes, but they, also but they said are. they did no travel at night, too, which is why I'm curious why they got to have the daytime in the first place. Yeah, I don't know. Because he, 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 he does say they didn't no travel at night, so I'm, I'm curious why why he got attacked in, in the daytime. Maybe he wasn't traveling, maybe he was just chilling, and they happened upon it. <laughs> Hanging out, chilling, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so Kirk pulls out a phaser and he asks if uh, he he's seen if Tyree's seen how they work, but Nona interrupts him and she's like, "Yeah, she's like I've I've seen them and I know or she she knows that Kirk has many ways of making his friend Tyree a man of great importance." So McCoy is like, "Oh, well, what else do you know about us?" And she explains that Tyree has told her a lot about them, but it was a the price for saving Kirk's life. And Kirk says that he's like, "Oh, we're just strangers from," but then she interrupts him. And uh, she says that they're from one of the lights in the sky and that they've always 
uh, or they have ways as far above fire sticks as the sky above her world. So she's like, yeah, I know you got some really sweet shit, which is all anybody. It's all anybody wants. She, she's by all means not a dumb character. So like, she knows what's going on. Oh yeah, yeah. I just I, yeah, they she's, made it very smart and wise. Um, I'm just curious. Um, they got close the first time they met. Why would Kurt divulge all the information? Like, what happened to him to say that? Right. Because that is breaking protocol. In a way, like. We we know that the Cleveland broke protocol by putting in a flintlock or whatever, which you're gonna find out a little bit later for sure. But at the same time, Kurt broke protocol by telling this guy he was from the stars. Mm. Right. You know, he, he could have said he's from the other side of the planet, he he could have said whatever. So like for for Kurt to be all uppity protocol guy now, it's like, bro, first of all, you told me told me you could have said he was from you from across town or like the other side of the planet if you want to. He wouldn't be able to check. He's from you know, he's from over here. Yeah, well, you know, you could have told him anything, but the fact you told me from the, the planet, you, you told you broke you broke protocol by telling him you're from the a planet up in the sky and told us information it, or whatever. No, so I don't. And he gave him the, it's no excuse. Oh, sorry, Maybe ahead. he just got drunk and just started spilling his guts out. Yeah, I just I, even I with the promise just, of silence, I just I think it's just because you know, he was a, thing. a young captain. It was literally his first planet survey, and he made a new friend, and he didn't he didn't know. Uh, what okay, he was so, doing. okay, I like okay. That's a great that's a great. I take that I take that reasoning. That makes that makes sense. He was young and he just. More you reckless. Know, kinda, it might be one of the first times they did that. Yeah. Young, young, I mean, he's been reckless. That's normal. But young, young and <laughs> reckless is a whole another thing. Yeah. He's always reckless. Okay. I like that, Brandon. Good, 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 good spot out. Yeah. So Tyree, uh, he tells Nona not to talk about all that stuff with the other people. And she says that she won't if they explain everything to her. And she says that there's an old custom among her people. And when a man, a woman saves a man's life, then he is grateful. And Kirk's like, well, I am grateful. And McCoy says that that's a splendid custom, if not carried to extremes. So basically, like, oh yeah, that, you know, that's that's great. Just you know, not to this this level. Yeah, everything. Yeah, yeah. So Kirk explains that his people used to be like hers, and then a time came when their weapons came faster and than their wisdom, and they almost destroyed themselves. And he says that uh, they learned and they they made a rule to never cause the same to happen to other worlds and that a man must grow in his own way in his own time and Nona, Nona this is really fucked up but Nona looks over at Tyree and she's like some men never grow <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah like, damn, he, apparently the beast she unleashed yeah. uh, before was not very beastly I was gonna say I'm sure he grew on the night of madness and she didn't seem to mind that <laughs> yeah I don't know I just that was a that was a low blow yeah like, <laughs> it's a real fucked up she's just putting this guy down <laughs> Yeah, if that had been my girl, we'd have a situation right now. She'd be like, you know, some man, no girl. I'd be like, who are you talking to? We're, we're, the, we're shutting this whole conversation down right now. We're stopping addressing this right now. Like, you're, you're going to embarrass me in front of my friends? Yeah. Like, <laughs> like, we're shutting it down. Like, I just, I don't know. I, I felt some type of way. Kirk comes in as a true friend, and he says that, oh, perhaps maybe not as fast or in ways other things that he should, but they're wise enough to know that they're wise enough not to interfere in the ways of a man or another world. So basically he's like, yeah, you know, maybe some people say that, you know, guys aren't growing, but you know, maybe he's just in his own way. Just standing up for his homie. He's a late bloomer. Yeah. (laughs) So Nona asks if Kirk will let the villagers destroy them and uh, won't help his brother kill the others instead. And Tyree gets really mad. He slams his fist and he's like, I'm not going to kill anybody. So Nona says that, uh, they have to fight or die. And she's like, do you think dying is better? And she asks again for weapons from Kirk, saying that if they're not going to get the weapons, then Tyree has the wrong friends and she has the wrong husband. And I'm like, 
Lady, I feel like you knew that he wow. was like this before you married him. I don't think he's always, like, I'm pretty sure he's always been a pacifist. <laughs> I don't know why she's suddenly like, you're weak, like you're a coward, you won't kill anybody. Like, yeah, he's always been that way. You knew that. Hey, no wonder why he can't, he, no wonder I, why he can't grow. She keeps putting him down. Yeah. Well, I think it's more about, um, you know, in the last year, they started having an issue with the villagers. And she thought as a man, he would step up and start killing them and protect her. So now she feels in a weakened position because at the time she joined him, everybody was peaceful and he was the most powerful man there. Where's the thing about it? Both the villagers and the hill people were were both not fighting. Therefore, he was, but he was still a, an important man. Now that the other side has these guns and all these guns or whatever, now they're more powerful. And she's like, well, why aren't you being strong enough to be powerful to kill, the, to attack them now? Because they're, they're, they're in a stronger position now than you are. Yeah. So I'm assuming that when she married him, he was at a different level than what what he is now because they, they got weapons and now he, they don't have weapons. So. Right. Yeah, they were in a time of peace. So. Yeah. Um, but she storms off as Tyree confirms his faith in Kirk and their friendship, and then he leaves the cave to go. They just they they're gonna go to the other village. Uh, McCoy asks, uh, "What's bothering Kirk?" Like they stayed behind in the cave, and uh, he says that if they find that the Klingons have helped the other villages, then there's something that they can do. Like they're allowed to help. And Kirk says that what's bothering him is that there's something that they may have to do. So they get to the other village and they they see a guard there and Kirk asks Tyree what he'd do if he has to fight. And McCoy explains, I don't know why McCoy just jumps in. He's like, well, they believe the same thing that we do, that killing is stupid and useless. Like, like brother, you guys have killed a lot of people. Like, you literally just disintegrated a monster earlier. <laughs> <laughs> there wasn't a person, though. It was a monster. Yeah. Or, or, or it was an animal, not a monster. It was yeah. an animal. Um, Tyree just dodges the question and he signals it. He's just like, yeah, the guard is gone. And then they sneak into the compound, which these guys have a much nicer compound. Like Tyree's people are living in huts, and these guys have basically like a fully formed, like concrete base here. They're the villagers. Yeah. The villagers, and then other people, hill people. So, yeah. I do have an issue at, I wrote this note down because I want to clarify the exact timing. Where's what, what, what this dumb timing I wrote down? And hold on. In 29 minutes and 41 seconds, to 29 minutes and 44 seconds, and 30 minutes and one second, and 30 minutes and three seconds, the screen is blurry. Really? Don't show me that dumb, con- the concrete village image or whatever. Oh, it's yeah. not clear, bro. It's like, it's it, it's so out of focus. It, it's really bad out of focus. And for a minute, I'm like, yo, did my internet uh, buffer? <laughs> so I, w- I went back and played it again. I was like, no, my internet didn't buffer. It's just blurry. Like in the middle of the section, there's like a there's like a two like inserts in there that are blurry. Excuse me, Star Trek people. I want to clarify something. Don't use those. <laughs> <laughs> like, if they're blurry, don't use them. And it says remastered. Don't use them. Like, I know you I have to see that. Just on me. because they're it's dark and like just camera technology. Yeah, I, I don't know what it is. I, it just it looked really it, it threw me off so bad. Like, because I, I was like, I'm waiting to this episode, right? So I'm like, I ain't taking notes no more. I'm like, so I'm sitting there like, I'm like, oh, this is so good. What a good episode. And I'm zoned in. I'm like, yo, did my internet buffer? So I was like, I, I stopped the episode and went back again. So I was like, yo, I'm, I, I'm not missing no scenes. But it was, it was it was blurry again. I was like, yo, it's the t- it's the show. <laughs> like they let it air with two blurry screens on for like at least five seconds. Like I know it's I know I shouldn't be that guy that could have played about five seconds of blurriness. I'm sorry, but it really I just drew think it's me hilarious out of that the... you wrote down the timestamps. <laughs> Dude, I wrote down the timestamps. I wanted to clarify if any. I wrote down the timestamps because it really it, it really threw me out so bad because I was so focused on the thing. I literally paused it and found the timestamps just to clarify because like it threw me out so big because I was so into the show that it really it really brought me out and I was like, 
yo, what? What just happened right now? And I thought my thing buffered, so because I, I paused it, I paused it and went back and watched it again. And it, and they and they showed the same guy walking in front of the concrete twice in a twice in a row. And both things are so blurry, it really throws you out of the moment. And if you're going to do it remastered, then you could have fixed that. Or if you're going if you're going through remastered, they can edit that out and and insert something in there, or use the CGI you used to make other things better, make those small little five seconds better. And that's my only complaint about the episode. Really, it's just those little five seconds were so off-putting it really threw me out of the episode well, paul uh, so, maybe that how we got go. past the guards because everything was blurry like oh here's our best chance to get past everyone when everything's out of focus <laughs> yeah, we can go Bro, now it, hurry it was, before it focuses it was, again it was just so off-putting i wrote the, i even had to go back and I time stamped it it was just it was really off-putting and i thought yo there's nobody nobody watches the episode and, and didn't see this like or they won't see it no i noticed it guys so whoever directed this episode and remastered it i noticed it and, it, and it's really bad i just wonder uh if, like I said, it was a technical thing because it, a lot of this episode was actually shot outside, like real life outside. And I think that yeah. that compound may actually be outside as well because the light from the moon there seemed to be real and not like, you know, manufactured light. So I wonder if that's just uh. an issue with like the cameras at the time and the lighting, like that that real moonlighting and just being, well, it being it's dark weird because and, the camera on them is so clear and focused that the moment you see the scene is so it's it's like oh it's really bad and then yeah. it goes back to them again it's nice clear and focused and it's shown the screen again and then it's really bad so it's like but it's, it's just also really a, a bad. closer shot on them than it is the guy in the compound because the the, yeah, the yeah. guard guy is it's it's a further back shot so yeah yeah, I agree. Yeah, I just it was just really I just wrote a note. It was really off-putting. I want to clarify that from us. I just. I don't know. It, it felt kind of weird. Yeah, it really I, threw me I out like, when I was so I focused on how good that episode that much. was. <laughs> it really bothered me that much. You have no idea. I was so upset because <laughs> I was so I was so, so focused on the show. I was way into it. And I, I thought my, my buffer messed up, man. The blurry guard uh, gets taken out by Kirk, and Kirk has Tyree take the guard's gun and ammo, which seems really weird to give the pacifist of the group the weapon. Like, the guy least likely to use it. Like, here, you take the weapon. I mean, I know they have their phasers already, but come on. Um, we go okay. to another another area of the compound, and a man named Appella enters a room where a Klingon is waiting for him. Appella explains that there was an issue with his people arguing over the division of some skins and a hill woman that they took that morning, and he says that it's hard to divide one woman, which is really <laughs> not. You just need a sharp machete. Um, <laughs> the Klingon suggests giving her to the man that killed the most of her people, and that the others will see profit and bravery. And then the Klingon gives him an improved weapon that will offer... Uh, fewer misfires and he says when he returns he'll give them other improvements such as a rifled barrel and Appel's like what in oh, a what now? Line, dude. <laughs> he's like a what he said he said he said he said uh give the guy to the guy who killed the most people therefore he will think they the most uh the most uh, uh plot and brave or whatever we said that line dude the Cleons are so amazing in their in the way they think sometimes they're good at war like to think that whoever killed the most people got the lady so other guys think oh next time we go to war we're gonna kill the most people so I get the woman Yep. So now you got now you put these men in competition with each other to like to kill the most people to get the woman to get the rewards and the spoils. Like the the psychology behind that is just so frightening and amazing in the way. I just man, it just I I, I like that line a lot. Eventually, that'll turn to though. If none of my teammates are alive, I get all of the spoils. <laughs> yeah. Well. Th yeah. I mean, eventually it comes to that, but yeah, it's just I don't know, but I think it's. I like that, but I think it's the competition, like just in life, competition breeds the best of us as men. If we don't have nobody to compete against, we're not, you know, it just, it brings out the best of us. So if we're competing against somebody, we, we always do things harder and stronger. So it's the fact that like, even back then in the seventies, they knew 
to write that in a fact of like they know what breeds the best out of us in comp like competition and to put that in such a like a very uh eloquent way and so and, and just kind of slide it under there i just i really like that like that, uh, that now if they that now if they can only direct it to not killing people but everything else in life of like competing yeah yeah, yeah I, like i just i like that one a lot they would have just learned how to play football or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> i mean i mean you can use that at our our actual life as, as an example you know so like i just you know i just it's it really clever i liked it a lot yeah um yeah pella he doesn't know what a rifle barrel is and the klingon just explains that it's a way to shoot further and straighter and outside mccoy finds some coal and uh he says it's used for a forge and he finds sulfur used for gunpowder and they decide to go take a look at uh inside of a building and then they find the forge McCoy just starts doing some scans with his tricorder, and Kirk just pockets some evidence. He's like, "This little, this bullet here, this will be some good evidence, uh, evidence of interference." And McCoy announces that the pig iron is almost carbon-free, and that there's no way that the village furnace produced that. So he uh, takes a coal-rolled gun barrel. They have, just have like a stack, uh, like a stack of gun barrels there. And uh, he said it's fashioned to look homemade, and he says that Kirk was right about the Klingons. So uh, whoever's giving them this stuff is making it look like it was forged there, and it was not. Uh, Kirk wants McCoy to make a recorder and scanner tape of everything that they they find. And McCoy jokes that it's a pity that they can't include a, a live Klingon in their evidence. And then they hear uh, Appella and the Klingon talking outside. So Kirk and McCoy go and hide. And Appella and the Klingon, who never gets a name, uh, they enter the room. And Appella is talking and he explains that his people have realized that killing is easier than trading and it has its pleasures. And he says that he feels it himself and it's like the hunt but with richer rewards. So the Klingon says that Appella will one day be a governor in the Klingon Empire, and he's going to be rich beyond his wildest dreams. Which I, I didn't realize that the Klingon Empire had other, other races under them. Like, I figured, like, it oh, was yeah, just, well, yeah. Well, I figured they just yeah. wiped out everyone that wasn't Klingon. I imagine that they wipe out anybody who resists them. But, I mean, there have to be those races that are just like, shit, yeah. Like, we're in on this. Like, we'd love to go to war with you guys. I mean, you guys can be in charge as long as we don't die. You know, we'll do whatever you say, and then when it's time to fight, let's go. Yeah, but then they'll follow their orders, and then, like, it'll be like the, even though they have their own plan or whatever, there'll be a Klingon that, that's like the, the person that's over the, that has the final say in everything or whatever. As long as they follow them, they're giving them the firepower to protect themselves from other planets and other species uh, coming in to take over them. So. Yeah, like this exact thing that they're doing here, I'm sure that they've done many other places because, I mean, it works. You go into a, a less advanced civilization, you find yep. out like which faction is the one that wants to win and you arm them as long as they're willing to work for you. Like, Hey, we'll, we'll help yep. you get to the top. As long as you know, you stay below us. You know, it, it would be kind of cool to see like, That's life. Uh, like the galactic wars between two, three, four different empires just going at it. Yeah. Eventually we're going to see some really, I, I just, I, I just know it in my soul that eventually we're going to see Klingons, Romulans and, uh, <laughs> and everybody like, and, and uh, Vulcans and another race. I'm assuming as some kind of craziness. I'm just I just know it's going to happen because it's building up every time we get this season. It's been building up to greatness, and I just know this eventually it's going to be some kind of intergalactic war. It has to be. I think modern Star Trek might have some like big time like space battles in uh, some of the episodes. From what I've seen from like screenshots and just like teasers, I think that there might be one or two like big battles going on. But we have you have to yeah. wait until like modern Star Trek for it. Oh, let's hope not. Let's hope. Let's hope eventually there's some episodes where that happens. That'll be so cool. Yeah. 
Uh, but McCoy, uh, his tricorder makes a sound. So like, it's like when you're in class or at work and your cell phone goes off and he tries to silence it. And uh, they cling on and Apella, they look towards where McCoy is hiding and Kirk's like, fuck this. And he jumps up behind him and does like a jumping kick to the Klingon, kicks him in the back, which causes him to misfire his weapon. So apparently everybody's just doing that. <laughs> Everyone's just got their hands on the trigger. <laughs> at all times. No, no gun safety. No. Uh, McCoy knocks out Apella with a gun barrel, and Kirk just punches out the Klingon, and then they go to the door and they try to run, but when they open it, they're greeted by two armed guards, and we go to commercial break. And when we come back, the guards are like, all right, let's go outside, but McCoy and Kirk just easily knock them out. And then the compound is put on alert as uh, McCoy and Kirk meet up with Tyree, and then the three of them run away as some guards are shooting at them. Okay, when when Bones turns around and smacks this guy with the pole he's carrying, I swear he misses and yeah. hits yep. all the poles and knocks all the barrels down and is at, at, at like he fell. I'm like, yo, did he hit him or did he hit all the barrel things? They made a mistake and just let it go. Yeah, he didn't get anywhere close to him now. Yeah, yeah, it just it looked it looked really cheesy. I mean, I let it go because like it's funny. Yeah. But like, it's almost like, yo, this is really bad. The, 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 I actually, I went back because I saw how the Klingon went down and like I was, you know, I'm kind of watching both at the same time and I'm like. How the hell did the other guy go down? I went back and watched it, and I was uh, like, wow, he did not even get close to hitting him. Yeah. He got startled, yeah, so he's like, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a guard, so I'm easily defeated. <laughs> yeah, he just got scared unconscious. Um, so we go back to the Enterprise, and Spock is awake, and he asks Nurse Chapel to hit him. And he says that the pain will help him to consciousness. She refuses, but he says that uh, if he doesn't regain consciousness again soon, it might be too late. So she comes up and she just like lightly taps on his face and he says that she's going to have to hit him harder than that. So she slaps him repeatedly as he tells her to do it again and to help him regain his consciousness. And he's just like, keep, keep slapping me. So Scotty comes in and he's like, what the hell are you doing, lady? And he grabs her and pulls her away. And Dr. Mbega comes in and he runs past both of them and he goes to Spock and he sits Spock up and then just slaps the shit out of him. Just over yeah. and over and, and over. over. And it is so cool, dude. <laughs> It is so cool. Do you remember when was the domestic violence episode we had? Remember when somebody was hitting somebody and we were talking about how they're beating a woman or something and she was like uh, enjoying it or something? Pregnant girl? Yeah, or yeah. something. Yeah. I was like, yo, this is one of the moments where I was like, yo, he is smacking the dog <laughs> crap out of him, bro. And I liked every moment of it. I thought, what an original, cool thing of like to do. I just, even though it's over the top, I'm like, I like it. I liked it a lot. I, I thought it would be something different, but I just, I liked it. I when I when I do my notes, I watch a couple minutes and then I pause it and then I type down everything. And if I, there's something I need to see, I go back. And after he backhands Spock the first time, I paused it so I could make the note that he just fucking backhands Spock. And I thought it was hilarious. And then I hit play again, and he just kept going. I did not <laughs> expect it. I thought he was gonna just backhand him the one time, but no, he was really getting his licks in there. <laughs> it was it was cool. I liked it. Very, very unique way of bringing Spock back. Uh, my favorite part of this, though, is that Spock wakes up and he catches Mbega's hand before he smacks him again. And he thanks him for hitting him. And he's like, that's quite <laughs> enough. <laughs> he's just like, I'm not good yeah. now. Thanks for slapping the hell out of me. Uh, so Scotty, he's confused. And he asks what's going on. And Spock and Mbega explain that it's a form of uh, Vulcan self-healing and that they have to fight their way back to consciousness at the last possible moment. The nurse chapel tries to go help Spock, but he's like, nah, I'm okay. I'm fully recovered. We go back to the planet, and Kirk is teaching Tyree and some of the villagers about how the gun works, and he shows Tyree how to shoot it. And uh, Tyree hits his target, and uh, Kirk congratulations or congratulates him. He's like, great job. You're a good shooter. But yeah, being his first shot ever, he hits his target right on. Yeah, he's doing great. Now they got to make a whole new cup. 
because he shot like some clay cup that they had. Uh, McCoy approaches and he says that he wants to talk to Kirk. So they go to the cave to talk privately. Uh, in the cave, McCoy is upset with Kirk teaching them how to use the guns, but Kirk thinks that it's going to make both sides even. So Bones tries to argue that it's Nona's doing because Kirk can't refuse her. Kirk just dismisses that and he's like, no, it's just a superstition. I do what I want. So Kirk argues that uh, she wants superior weapons, but that neither side of them can have them, and he's just going to make things even. He's not going to give uh, Tyrese people anything better than the other people have. You know, at this point, Kirk should be thinking clearly because uh, she hadn't rubbed any, you know, of her magic on him lately. So he should be pretty clear-headed in this moment of what he's trying to do. Yeah, he. well, I mean, I understand his point here in that the Klingons have interfered and they've armed one side, and that it's Starfleet's job to make sure that everything goes as it should. So, like, he's just, he's making it even. Like, he's not giving them, like, Gatling guns. He's just going to give them, you know, flintlock uh, rifles, and that everything's going to be basically even and back to the way that it was. Like, I, I get his argument for it, but I also get McCoy's point as well. I do too, yeah. It's the, it's the wording, though, Kurt uh, McCoy used, by the way. He said there's already a serpent in the Garden of Eden. You yeah. know, it's, it's a very, like, this is a very biblical episode in a way of, like, uh, of, like, Cain and Abel of, like, kill the brother, uh, like, a, of, like, a, like, one person kills, one person doesn't. Now both sides got guns. It's just an escalating, like, very, um, like, a very uh, mirror images of each other. Like, you do this, so I'm going to do this. Right. And then like, and then you know, you do this, so I gotta do this in balance or whatever. And it's starting the chain. It's kind of like a chain of event of, of actions or whatever. So like, you know, um, you hear serpents in the Garden of Eden a lot in this episode a lot. Cause yeah. like, this is supposed to be a real happy place, and the serpent being the Klingon, the first one came in and whispered in their ears, Eve wise, "Hey guys, I got these guns for you." Da da da. You know, whisper to, "Hey, we got these guns and weapons for you." You know, and it's like, and it sucks. So now they got the advantage. Now the other side's like. Oh, they're they're just sitting there getting killed, and then now they're like, now we got to now. Unfortunately, we got to become a serpent and be like, hey guys, here's the guns for you to, to balance it out or whatever. And technically, we both bit, did bad things, but you had to make it evenly bad on both sides to even give the people a fighting chance and deal with the consequences later. Right. Yeah, it's a it's a really good um, kind of conundrum that they have here. Like, it, it's a really good just like issue that there's kind of no right way to solve yep. it. Yeah, and and every now and then they, I've noticed that the show does pull like stuff from the Bible. Like this is definitely not the first time that they they've done that. They seem to to take yeah. just kind of whole sections of it and make an episode out of it. But I mean, it works. So yeah, yeah, um, yeah uh, Kirk says that the Klingons have changed the status quo by giving the other people flintlocks, and if the planet is to develop the way that it should, then both sides need to be equal. The McCoy argues that they're condemning the whole planet to war and Kirk gets really mad, just like yells at him. Uh, so they, they calm down for a second and Kirk wants to know, um, he's like, look, so let's say hypothetically I am under control of Nona. Like, what would you do then if, if it was up to you? And McCoy says that he doesn't have an answer to that, but he thinks that giving them guns is not an answer. Uh, so Kirk brings up a past event. I'm not going to go through and explain the whole thing, like the entire conflict that he goes over, because it's basically just reiterating what's happening in the episode right now. Just saying, like, look, we've done this before. Like, there has to be a balance of power. Um, and Bones asks what happens if the Klingons give their side even more. And Kirk's like, well, then we'll just have to give our side the same amount. And he says that it's the dirtiest, trickiest game of them all, but it's the only way to preserve both sides. 
Though McCoy wonders uh, if Tyree is going to understand this, and Kirk says that he probably won't, but he's going to have to try to make Tyree understand and that he's never had a more difficult task than that. And McCoy says that since Tyree won't fight, he's going to be one of the first ones to die, which is a fantastic point to make. And Kirk uh, yeah. Kirk immediately was like, shit. Like, I, like, he doesn't say it, but the look on his face is like, I did not even think about that. And he says that uh, war isn't a good life, but it's life. And he decided to tell Nona that they're they're going to go and help. So he's like, I'm going to go tell Nona that we're going to help and maybe she'll be able to convince Tyree to, to get on board. You know, what a unfortunately true statement that was. Yeah. The the peaceful the, guy the, is going to be uh, the this, one to die. This show, this show every once in a while has these like great messages and life lessons that, and that's what to be watching this show. Like this really, ho- a lot of these episodes really hold up and it resonate with these messages in there that of like of life and, and the way things work. And you can, th- this story works in in the 50s 60s 70s even today timeless. this story this, like yeah like t- it's a timeless story of of uh of war and the way worlds work and like the not war being war as in like um but like the war even like the war on drugs or like like any kind of battle in life like it has these really life deep altering messages inside of them and you can apply it to in, a section of life and make it make sense so i feel like some of these might be timeless even when i'm gone and i'm dust and somebody's watched the episode, it, it'll work for them also. So I just, it's really well, interesting. It, yeah. it, it kind of hits home in our current year of, you know, what's going on in our world currently, the, you know, that kind of debate. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And, and it can be, but that, but, but we're in, we're in the 2000s, right? Like, like you know, 20, 2020s right now, but this can work in the 2010s or even the 2000s oh, or the 80s or, you know, any time in history. Even any time in history, you can take this story, uh, Civil War, any any time in history you can take this story and it would work. So I just, it's re- re- really interesting. Yeah, yeah, really solid. Uh, so we go back to the Enterprise and Spock takes command as they approach orbit around the planet again. And the Klingons still have not spotted them, but it looks like they're beaming someone aboard their ship. So Spock orders them to stand by to signal to Kirk. We go back to the planet and Kirk finds Nona and he approaches her and she says that she's there or that he's there because she wished him there. And he's like, I, I thought it was my idea. <laughs> like I literally just walked over here. <laughs> okay. <laughs> she says that, uh, that they always think that it was because of free will. And Tyree even thought the same way when she cast her first spell on him. I like how open she is about the fact that she's just a witch. <laughs> she's like, I'm just casting spells and shit. Um, she asked Kirk uh, to smell the plant that she had with Tyree. She's like, here, smell this plant. And she rubs it under his nose. And Kirk keeps trying to talk, but he just keeps getting, inter- getting interrupted by the plant. Uh, so Tyree happens upon them, and he's just kind of watching. And Kirk starts to feel pretty dizzy, and he grabs Nona and tells her that she's lovely and beautiful. And Tyree is like, all right, I'm going to start killing people now. <laughs> he he, he takes aim with his rifle. code right then and there. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Although I don't know... Uh, is it because like which one of them is he gonna shoot? Is he gonna shoot Kirk in this situation, or is he gonna shoot shoot Nona? You know, like which one is he mad at? I, I won't lie. In, in this moment, I'm like, okay, she's putting him under spell. I'm like, I wonder if he's gonna shoot Kirk, like wing him, just to get him out of like the trance. Not like yeah. like you know, not like serious injuries, but just like you wing him across the right. arm with the bullet. Like, oh hey, wake yeah, up! Yeah, he doesn't know. He doesn't know about the trance though. He don't know about the but trance. She, she, I mean, she tells he's him been that he put the spell on him. Yeah, but he doesn't. He acts like he doesn't like doesn't really know it's affecting his choices and what he does. He just thinks that like it might just be like a love thing for him when he's around her or whatever. But he doesn't realize that the plan he's using is really affecting the way he his the, his choices and things like that. So, oh yeah, yeah, there could have been a little bit of doubt when he 
saw her doing it to Kirk, like, oh, she is doing that. Yeah, I, yeah. I, you know, I was debating on who to shoot myself, and I didn't have a good answer. <laughs> I, I, I was probably going to go with her, but I just. Well, the issue, know, the I issue just, is his angle. If he gets behind them, he could probably get both, two for one. Yeah, he could get both. <laughs> <laughs> I don't think these bullets are that really powerful <laughs> yeah, back no. then, are they? No, they can't even go through Spock's shirt. No. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um. So Nola tells Kirk to kiss her, and you know Kirk's not. Even if he wasn't under his spell, he was not going to refuse that. Yeah, this is the Kirk thing. Yeah. yeah, you you don't have to hypnotize Kirk to get him to sleep with you. You just I'm tell sorry, him to. I'm sorry, but this actually, this is another man's wife. I think this might be on a line for Kirk. This might be the only line we haven't seen him cross yet. Yeah. And luckily like for him, he wife. was under a, a literal spell. A spell. So yeah, so we, we we don't we don't hate Kurt yet. You know, it's always single women. It's not no nobody's wives. Yeah, you know. No, so no we, we know always of. know that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so far, yeah. So he hasn't he hasn't been that guy. So yeah, we so know it's a spell. Tyree has a little internal struggle, and he decides he's not going to fire, and he throws a gun and the ammunition down, and he just runs away. And then suddenly a Mugato appears. <laughs> yes. <laughs> it attacks Kirk and Nona. I love that these things just pop up out of nowhere when you least expect it. Like I really want them there to be a scene where they're just like hanging out in like like on the bridge or in the cafeteria and just a Mugato pops, <laughs> pops up. up. Just just randomly. <laughs> they just show up in that random spots. On your lower decks episodes. <laughs> a lower deck episode where Mugato just jumps out randomly the whole, the whole episode. Yep. Just have them just jump out and beat the shit out of people. Yeah. Uh Nona tries to to get away, but Kirk he can't let go of her because he's in a spell. <laughs> like this is really backfiring on her. But she manages to break free, and the Mugato goes after her, and she manages to just like keep rolling away from its attacks while Kirk uh, attacks it, but it throws him to the side and just keeps going after Nona. So Kirk draws his phaser, and he just disintegrates it. So now he's killed an entire family <laughs> of them. Well, I don't know if those ones had kids, but he's killed like you know a couple of Mugatos. Hopefully they um, weren't on the extinct list. Like, oh, those are the last two. Yeah, those are the last, <laughs> the last ones. Two on oh, man, don't do that. I never thought of it like that. That's crazy. The last two on the whole planet, you just killed them? Yep. Never gonna re- you could have just stunned them. Like they you, started you have, it. You have stunned on your phasers, guys. Like, come on. You got stunned on the phasers. Yeah. I would like to say that one more time. They're stunned. Uh-oh. I feel like Stun. there's a level of killing that's below disintegrate into nothing, though. Like, maybe they could have used the yeah. pelts or something, I, I, <laughs> like the horns. I, I will uh, say, Paul, maybe it's one of those things, like, okay, if you have a stun gun and you got a grizzly bear charging at you, are you going to use stun or are you going to yeah. use lethal force? <laughs> I'm going to use whatever's in my hand, okay? But I'm just saying, like, this is, like, why wouldn't a gun set on stun anyway? You run around with it on kill? <laughs> like... You run around with a set on kill? Like, it's not, it's not yeah. set on stun? Yeah, Kirk don't mess around. <laughs> if, if he's drawing a phaser, somebody's going to die. Somebody's going to die. Yeah, then Kirk collapses, and Nona just kind of comes up over to him, and she sees that he has a phaser out, and she just hits him in the back of the head with a rock <laughs> <laughs> to take his phaser. Uh, in the We go back to the camp, and McCoy asks where Kirk is. Uh, because Tyree just got there and there's another guy with him and uh, he's like, well, where's the fire stick? And Tyree is very angry and he yells and he points. He's like, I left it over there. I don't want that thing. So McCoy gets mad and he tells Tyree to show him where the thing, where the fire stick is. He's like, that's a really stupid thing to just leave laying around. Uh, Meanwhile, Nona has taken Kirk's phaser and she's run off and the others approach and they find Kirk laying on the ground and McCoy sees the rock and asks who hit him and uh, Kirk is a narc, so he tells he's like it was Nona. <laughs> so Nona's running away, and she sees a group of people from the other village, and she hides so that she can ambush them, or at least I thought she was going to ambush them. 
I don't know what I don't understand why she hid here because when they approach, she just jumps out and she's like, "I bring victory for Appella." <laughs> like, why did you hide? That seems like you were gonna kill him. <laughs> like, surprise! I mean, with, oh, the, yeah. good, with the way they get startled good, good, good and just randomly fire, she's lucky she didn't get shot. Yeah. <laughs> like, uh, they recognize her as a uh, Kanutu, and they're like, "Yeah, that's Tyree's woman." And they decide not to trust her to to Apollo. They're like, you know what? It's that that Klingon thing. Like, I get the woman, and uh, she yep. she's like, "Look, I took this phaser." And they're like, yeah, well, we're going to take you. And they go like they go to grab her and she slaps one of them and says that if they touch her again, then the small box is going to kill them. And they're like, all right. And they just attack her anyway. Which I, I feel I feel like during they're attacking her, they're also trying to like grope her and make out with her. Like I, I was kind of waiting for them to actually like hit her. I, I, I then like, oh, good. wait a minute. He's no, like waiting for a kiss. Yeah, 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 I think I'm pretty sure they're going to get uh, R word her, fam. Oh yeah, yeah. <laughs> they no. was, this was, this was not a friendly. Her, just really. we're going to take you away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah there definitely was. All, yeah, that, that was going on. And then I was um kind of surprised she, the weapon never went off, or I just didn't go off and get one of them. Yeah, she's like fumbling like, with it and, and didn't get anybody. Yeah, yeah. Like I would just like that's my one thing I would have corrected this part. Like I think somebody accidentally getting a wife from existence real quick would have been like enough to. Saw situation, but the ending, I I don't know because once they get, they get to the end, I I realize oh I realize what they're going for, so it was different. Yeah. Um. So we go back to uh, Kirk and Bones is helping him, and Kirk notices that his phaser is gone, and we just go back to Nona, and she's continuing to fight the insanely weak group of men who cannot overpower her for some <laughs> reason, and uh, one of them uh, holds her, and the other guy, yeah, he's like trying to kiss her, and she manages to fight him off, and she gets out her knife, but they just throw her down. So Tyree and the others show up, and the rival villagers think that Nona was part of a trap. So they stab her, and then they just throw her to the ground, and they, the shooting starts. Well, Kirk is an absolute mad lad and rushes towards these guys that are shooting at him, and he tackles one of them, and they just start having this big-ass brawl while McCoy checks on Nona. Amazing. It's a really good yeah. brawl. Kirk, first of all, yeah, um, amazing. Kirk's drop kick form was absolutely <laughs> um, wonderful. Like He has a Beautiful. solid drop kick. Uh, beautiful Tyree is fighting some guy gets him on the ground and grabs like a big rock and like just obliterates this guy's head with it like he threw it kind of like over top of him but I believe it's he's was supposed to have actually crushed that guy's head with that rock yeah you know yeah. I love in this fight scene also like them doing like a point of view from Bones perspective and Bones is probably like what like yeah yeah, because Bones is like Bones is not a pacifist but he don't like to fight and he, look, and he is so like He's, like he's a conscientious or like just, right? Yeah, he, he yeah he's yeah he's so he's so he's just disgusted like oh my god this is what like this is what it is like we've we've hit that moment where it's beginning like yep. like he's noticing what just started and and uh, Kurt is in the middle of it he has no idea what he just started but like from Bones he's like oh my gosh this just started a war like 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 Bones knows what 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 this event means but Kurt doesn't know that yet and it seems like Bones knows he's like wow what would he, what 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 am I Bones is like, oh my god, what am I a part of? And without saying yeah. anything, just the shot you know? itself, you know, said everything that you just said. Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a good brawl, uh, good moment in this episode. Um, so the brawl stops, and Kirk takes a rock from Tyree and uh, tosses it aside, and then Tyree runs towards Nona, and, and McCoy just says, "She's dead. <laughs> she's just she's, she's gone." <laughs> So Tyree picks up the gun and he tells Kirk that he wants many more of them. And he tells the other men or the other man whose name is Utan. He says that the two other guys have escaped and he wants Utan to track them down so he can kill them. So uh, McCurk, McCurk again, (laughs) McCoy, 
Every, I think every episode I say McCurk. Uh, McCoy finds Kirk's phaser and he gives it back to him. And Kirk notes that the villagers will have something like that very soon. He's like basically like, yeah, they're going to start developing things like this in no time at all. And McCoy says that Kirk got what he wanted. And Kirk says that it's not what he wanted, but it's what had to be. And he's very like somber, which is understandable. Uh, then we get a really weird thing here where there's no sound. And I think it's a mistake. But Kirk reaches for his communicator and answers it like he got a call. But I didn't hear a sound of a communicator. So I think they forgot. I th- yeah, I think they forgot to put a sound effect in there. Or yeah, it was just on vibrate. I didn't notice that. Yeah, I went back like twice. I was like, did I just not hear that? I, th- I think they just forgot to put a sound effect in. Um, but uh, McCoy asks Spock if he's alive. And Spock says that that's an illogical question since obviously McCoy can hear his voice. <laughs> and uh, yeah, McCoy's like, well, yeah, I should have known better because you can't kill a computer, <laughs> which you actually can. Um, Kirk wants uh, Spock to ask Scotty how long it's going to take to produce 100 flip locks. And uh, I thought that was really weird because they're just going to like, give them a hundred guns, but they're not going to give them the knowledge to make them or the tools or machines needed to make them or sustain them. Like what good is a hundred guns if they don't, if all they can do is use them. Right. Well, they haven't said, did they say that they didn't train them how to do anything? Cause the episode just ends, right? Well, I mean like they can, you don't, you don't get the, they you don't get leave. to know. They, they yeah. leave. Well, no, we, we, we see the ship leading, but we don't know the next step. So we don't like maybe they were down there training them and then the ship leaves. Like they don't give you a we we leave we're leaving immediately. They just show the well, ship. Well, Kirk, I mean they would have to stay for well, several Kirk, months Kirk, to build the facilities and show them how to use them. Kirk made the he like oh never mind after he said after make a hundred guns pretty much like oh just what do you say like make a serpent or well well Scotty he's like oh I didn't quite get what he said and Kirk like just kind of rephrases it. He says that he wants a hundred serpents for the Garden of Eden. So it's just the, oh, okay. the whole serpent analogy again. Yeah. yeah. And uh, he's, he says that he's very tired and he's ready to be beamed home. And then they, they do. They get beamed on the ship and then they leave. <laughs> you, you, know, you, don't, you don't see him get beamed, though, dude. They, they don't, you don't see him get beamed. All they do is show the ship. And, they, and, and you can't tell the ship is orbiting or leaving. You can't I, tell because it's, it's the same ship same, uh, angle they've been using the whole time. See what I'm saying? Yeah. So there's no – the episode ends, but there's no – like oh they left they're leaving right there. It's only hey send down a hundred guns and then they show the ship or- orbiting around the planet. So it's not like you can't tell because they don't have that like that whole right. we're taking off type thing. Like so what I interpret as as in like they brought they they they, they brought the guns down and it was interpreted as, as there that begins the future war of that moment and you don't really know what the next step is. Yeah, they, you don't actually see the ship leave. Oh, I was gonna say, which kind of makes sense that they didn't leave it on a kind of like a light note that they normally they normally do because hey, this planet is now gonna be at constant war with each other. So they yeah, they kind of left it as yeah yeah be, yeah exactly what you're saying because that moment is so like dun 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 moment or whatever, and that's how it ends, and it leaves you open minded to like oh that that is the culmination of the whole episode. At the end, he had to give the other side all the guns. And that's the end. And then you use your imagination to think, okay, the Kurt trained them. They build facilities. The the, the, the the picture they show the ship doesn't show them warping away. So they could be orbiting still just to train them or whatever. You really don't know. No, so I'm, they I do this a lot. Like I'm, I'm sure that they do stick around like, cause every, every episode something like this happens and they like help a civilization or do something like that. And then they just seemingly leave. 
Like, I'm sure that they do stick around and help, and obviously they're not going to show that, but I just like the way that they cut it together to make it look like they're like, all right, we're going to give you 100 guns, and then they just get on their <laughs> ship and leave, and they don't, they don't even give them the guns, they don't give them anything. Like, I'm sure that they do, just the way that it's cut together is hilarious, because they're always like, we're going to help you, and then they just, like, leave. Like, they just skip out. Yeah, I, I kind of took it as the ship was still orbiting, because you can't tell if it's leaving or not, so I assume that it was just just leave you, like, imagine the old school days, you watch the exit episode, you're like, Wow, like, and they just yeah, ends. I just, it's, it's I just like meant it in a joking ending, like, way, yeah. yeah, 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 like it's one of them endings where you know you're like those kind of movies that they that the end that leaves you, like if you never seen Saw before, I ruined it for you that quick. But like at the end of the Saw movie, Saw one, and you're like, and then it ends, and you're like, and then your whole mind is re uh, re reworking the whole entire movie in your head. Like when the, the way this ended, it lets you think, oh man. You got to read a whole entire thing in your head, like the whole story, like what an amazing, incredible story, you know, in the end like that. And you're like, man, that's life. Yeah. So it was, it was crazy. Uh, Dan, you want to start us off on this one? How you felt about yeah, it? Yeah, I, I really good episode. I, I like the idea or notion that in a, in a weird sense that like the Klingons, they basically give these peaceful race of people you know, quote unquote, Pandora's box. And once you open it, there's no going back. And I kind of like how they kind of end the episode for that reason. Cause there was, you just couldn't fix it. There's like, Oh, it is what it is. Yeah. So it, I, I kind of like how, I, I don't know. The story just, even though the story is kind of a downer, it makes sense in reality. Like you, you can't go back. Like once you start murdering each other, there's, you can't put that back in the box. Yeah. It just escalates from there. Yeah. It just escalates. So, yeah, I, I really enjoyed the episode. Yeah. Um, I like that it ended on the somber note, that it was not an everything's okay and, like, everybody's happy ending, that, like, they just fucked this entire planet, basically. <laughs> like, in, a, in, a, in an absolutely terrible way. Um, yeah, I really like the episode. The one thing that I think that I would change about it is Nona. Really, you could have taken her out of this episode and it would have been just fine. Like, she didn't really serve a purpose aside from saving Kirk from the poison, which anybody else in that village could have done. Like, sure, she took over Kirk, but what did, what happened because of that? Like, absolutely nothing. Like, Tyree almost shot someone, still wasn't enough to convince him to go that far. Uh, the I mean, I guess her death was the thing that made him, like, lose his shit and decide to start killing, but you, you could have found another reason for that. Like, he yeah, just kind of... Well, I see you shaking your head. <laughs> yeah, because I want to write down that note. I, I want to because I I disagree with that moment. I'll write down. I'll write down that thing about the Nona because I think that it's powerful because it's about the man and his woman. If you touch a man's woman, I will destroy your world. And that's exactly it. Was like it put the evilness in his heart because if that had been just his friend, that's not that's not deep enough. That's not big enough. You killed his wife. Therefore, I'm going to get the weapons and I'm going to, as a husband, if you touch my wife, I will destroy your world. Yeah, but he didn't and even that's like what her. I took it as to me. <laughs> they you know, they you know. didn't get along. He didn't no, like her anyway. That's what's deep to me. Like, if you touch somebody, I love my wife, whatever, I will, I will destroy your world. And that's what I took it as of like a person who had the person he really cared about or whatever, killed by the other side. And it's like, you know, like random instance, like 300. Uh, he they killed this guy's son and he just rages out and starts killing everybody. 
or like Super Saiyan, they kill Krillin. You know, Dragon Ball Z, they kill Krillin. You know, they get Krillin, and then and he then he loses his mind. You know, yeah, they were married. Like Vegeta, they they hit Boma. <laughs> Hold on, and Vegeta, like Vegeta, they hit Bo, uh, the the Barris attacks Boma, and loses his mind. Like if you attack a person I truly care about or whatever, I'm going to destroy your world, and that's what I took it as. Of like they they took the person he loved, and he became a monster he wasn't going to be, and so now he's that. Whatever he's the new version of Tyree that's going to be shooting and killing everybody. Right, and but I the thing is though, like, and that's fine. Like that's that's a good motivation, like you said. Like that all makes sense. But the the weird B plot between Kirk and Nona didn't serve a purpose. Like she took like yeah she cast okay. a spell on him. Their souls are entwined. I, okay, to what I agree end? With that. Like what, what, why, would her why character been more interesting if she was like a Cleon spy trying to help escalate the war between the two factions? I just I think it would have been more interesting if she was just a regular ass person, not there casting spells on people that don't actually go anywhere, and then maybe she gets killed. I think it's what she represents. Like she represents um she represents Eve in a way. Of like, you gotta remember, this is the Garden of Eden. You need an Eve. You need you need that person who's whispering in the ear of the person to get them to be that evil type person because you gotta remember she's also a serpent in there now you're right about the her kurt thing not meaning nothing but her her thoughts whatever and her her antagonizing and her whispering in this guy's ear was trying to get him to become something he wasn't ironically her death made him become something that he wasn't you know so it's it's about the it's it's about the woman being the 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 eve of talking about the apple or whatever to, uh, uh, what, what, uh, whatever. It's just the Kurt thing is the one thing that I agree with you on. It doesn't. It wasn't the thing that need to be there. Yeah, I think analogy, Paul. Yeah, I think yeah, that's, I, I that's like that. there. I just I'm not yeah. really familiar at all with the Bible, yeah. so I, that's why I would not have picked that up. But yeah, I think that's really fair yeah. when you uh, yeah when you explain it like that. But yeah, because yes. for me this episode was effing incredible, and I want and I want to cuss and say a thousand words before it. Like this may be the best episode of Star Trek ever made. <laughs> And I complain about those blurry seconds, and I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> like the, it, it is because what it did it was it took a a biblical theme of a woman who corrupt the man, which we've seen in life a thousand times in life. You know of of uh, whatever we've seen a thousand times to try to make him become a different man, but he resisted the whole time. He resisted. I will not be what you want me to be. I will not be what you want to be. He kept doing that, and he kept being the man he wanted to be. But eventually, what happens is the woman that he loved, her death caused him to be the man, the man he was never going to be. And then also put it on Kurt. It's Kurt's like, hey, you know, there's other sides up here. Now we got to also balance the other side too. So it was like a balancing effect. It was like a bunch of stories in one. It was a it was a story of like the balance of one side of power. You got to balance the power out. And the story of a woman trying to get a man to become the one, uh, becomes a, a more stronger uh, menacing man, but he didn't become that until she died. So it's like, it's like a bunch of little small these very clever small stories or whatever that when you think about it, it's like, oh my gosh, this is such an incredible way of writing. I think this episode was incredible, dude. Like yeah. everything about it was incredible. I complain about those little, like I, like the whole little subplot that you have with the Kurt, you can take that out, okay. Like, but that, but the episode was so good to me, I don't even care about that plot line. Right. Like, cause it gave me another, it gave me another uh, Mojito fight or whatever. You know, it gave me another fight with those <laughs> two, little things two, jumping two out. Gatos, like, yeah. that's what it, you know, yeah. so like it gave me that. At the same time, I just think that Overall, like this episode had such a deep, like it resonated with me so deep because I've like I've seen this story happen in real life, like I've seen this story happen in life, or whatever. I've seen I've seen men become people they weren't because of somebody else, 
you know, I've seen men, great men be whispered to and be turned into something else or be, or I've seen men been, been corrupted by power. I've seen, you know, I've seen these things in life and you see stories all the time. So when you see this story, I think, wow, this was a really great way of doing it because it, it truly resonate with me in the fact that I've seen this story a thousand times and they made it a Star Trek story and kept that or whatever. So to me personally, it might be my favorite episode of Star Trek or ever. I'm surprised it's not on the central list. Yeah. Like I'm shocked. That I'm, I'm shocked. It's not on the central list. Cause to me, it's like, if, if I was today to be like, yo, an episode to watch, this is it. Like, this is the most essential episode I've ever seen in my ever. And like, I'm blown away by this season. I really like, I told the guys, uh, I told the guys every time I've been doing this season, this season, like the writing and the storytelling would be incredible. Man, I'm just, I'm, bl- I'm blown away by this episode. I, I, I think totally that uh, what really helps this, like the the initial plot line of, you know, the, the balance of power thing is really good. But I think that re- what really took this episode like to that next level is Kirk's friendship with Tyree. The fact that like he knew him from his first survey there, like 13 years ago, he was a young captain, like yeah. he really likes this guy. And then he has to be the one to help basically destroy this guy. Like, and at the end of the episode, yeah. he doesn't know the guy anymore. And I think that really yeah, helped he- like bump this episode up a notch in terms of just like yeah. the stakes of it. The one thing yeah, that I, if I had to get a rating, I, I'd give it like a thirty out of ten. I don't really have a, a, scale, a good scale or hundred out of hundred, whatever. A plus out of A plus plus plus, whatever it is for me. I think this episode is essential because I I truly feel like the the biblical sense, the biblical sense of the episode, the balance of power, the man being corrupted, corrupted, corrupted by the female, trying to be corrupted by the female, but resisting, and then eventually becoming the, that man anyway, like. Kurt being feeling some type of way because he had to he had to change a guy he knew that was peaceful and make him a warrior. Like, you know, it's all these like things about like small things about life where people will just they become things they're not, you know, due to circumstances. And then they look up and realize, man, I just I'm somebody else. And that's I can see the thing about the every day in my life where people look up and think of somebody else. So to me, it really it really resonates with me personally. It just it really hit my heart because I really I've I've did that before where I've did things I'm not proud of and, and you know, did things I'm not great well of because I've had influences that really changed and made me change things I was as a person. So like for me personally, this episode was incredible and needs a little bit of editing here and there, but the small editing these changes the needs don't the bother blurs, me that much. I just the blurs. Yeah, the blur. Yeah, the blur part. Yeah, I just I picked it on about that because I'm just it, but I only pick on it because <laughs> I love it so much. But I think this is a situation episode. I think if you're a Star Trek fan and you want to watch an episode and you want to watch something that really resonates in your heart and soul and it really affects you. I think this is the one that'd be like, man, this is this is it. Like, it, man. Yeah. Wow. Wow, it was so yeah. good, dude. It was so good. I know that at this point in the recording, we're almost two hours in. But there is one more thing that I want to bring up is that Go ahead. I understand why they took Spock out of the episode. But damn, I think it would have been even more beneficial to have him in this episode because he, I feel like he would have been like, he would have understood Kirk's side and he would have understood McCoy's side. And I think that in this episode, he would have just basically been like, logically, like there is no right answer to this. Like all of this sucks. Everything is wrong. And I think that it might've even hammered that point home even more like, or driven the point home even more, but it really didn't if, need if, it. And maybe that would have been too Spock, much. If Spock said it as, as a viewer, you wouldn't have to think about it. You would just know that, what you're like, you'd be like, oh, you see both points, but I think they left it out there so the viewer themselves, us, we can be smart enough to be like, we can debate it in our head. Yeah, we can debate it ourselves among ourselves. This is gonna episode you watch with somebody, and then 
I'm a, I'm assuming there were conversations that this episode happened. I've seen there people sitting down talking about it. Like, as Star Trek fans, right. like, what do like, you think? Uh, what do you think? Was Kirk you right think? or was yeah. he bone dry? Yeah. I, yeah. Like, this kind of episode that makes people sit down and talk. Like, man, this is a, a truly epic, um, incredible episode. I'm just... I'm I am blessed to have watched this episode. Like, Somebody should do I a truly... podcast where they watch Star Trek and then talk about it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's what they should I don't know. Do. It would just. Like, well, I, you know, I bet at the time this really resonated with people. I bet it did. I, I feel like if we were better at recording, we should make an abridged series for Star Trek. <laughs> oh God. <laughs> yeah. No, thank you. I have enough work to do. Um, yeah. I just. Wow! Wow! What an episode, dude! It was incredible. Yeah. Man. Uh, but in the interest of time, and also because I don't have anything else to add. Oh, yeah, we've been, add, we've been I, going I, a long time today, bro. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think we've covered pretty much everything we needed to, unless you guys have anything else. No, uh, I think everything's no. been said. Paul, do you want to... Hey, guys, uh, uh, random one thing. Uh, hit up us on Twitter if you guys think the debate about the whole who's right, Kurt or Bones, if you guys want to have a debate about it or, or any notes into your head, because I'm interested to... Uh, see what you guys think about this episode i'm really i'm really interested to see what you guys thought about it if you guys agree with us or disagree with us or just any kind of notes you have about the episode particularly uh you guys put them in there check our twitter our twitter is uh at wwst underscore podcast uh yeah really really man i'm gonna say paul yeah, i really i really, en- I really enjoy too. seeing how much you like this episode dude, <laughs> I, I like seeing people get joy out you, of things <laughs> dude dude i, I really I, it, it truly it truly it, it, it hit my soul it really did because like i just i could i could see i could see the same story being told now like updated like in a different way or like d- d- told in different times different centuries different you yeah. know now currently 80s 90s like i see the story be told a thousand times so i really i really appreciate it so all right. Well, before we continue on for another five minutes, I'll cut us off there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, again, thank you everybody for listening, for sticking around with us. And uh, oh wait, we got uh, another, there's another episode after this. Yeah, it's season two, this episode, man. episode twenty, return to tomorrow. Telepathic aliens take over Kurt and Spock's bodies. Oh my god. Mm. That'll be a good one. Yeah, it sounds like it might. The the fun might keep on going on. But hey, we appreciate you guys. Really enjoy you guys. Uh, I'm really I'm really in shock how much the episode is, and uh, you know. Uh, we're going to do it again, man. So yeah. Uh, thanks everybody. And we will catch you on the next one later. Later.